This episode of Watch Out for Fireballs is brought to you by our patrons, specifically one patron, Jack. Jack, who guessed on this episode, who chose this game, uh, and does a great job, by the way. Um, so thank you to Jack, and thank you to everyone who has supported us at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Welcome to Spooky Month. Uh, one other note, it's really hard to find music for this game uh, online. So uh, I included some music that I found. I also included uh, part of the trailer uh, from E3 that has some kind of voice work in it, and I thought it was kind of cool. So I included that instead of the opening music and then included a song later, but not tons of music in this episode because it's not readily available. But uh, yeah, enjoy. Thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. My name is Jack Corrigan. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are playing The Call of Cthulhu, the official video game, uh, which is a survival horror game developed by Cyanide and published by Focus Home Interactive for Modern Systems in 2018. And as you heard, we are joined by Jack. Welcome, Jack. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thank you for uh, backing us, and thank you for um, hopping onto the episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Jack is a fixture in our community. Um, I first remember you popping around, possibly in the 2016 Duckstream. Matt, uh, I, yeah, I in in Duckstream 2016, uh, Gar- Gary made a point of uh, realizing how weird my online persona of chicken riggies was and that was talked about for a little bit <laughs> gotcha gotcha <laughs> that, that, that was my first recollection but you've been around uh you've been around and uh really active so it's awesome to have you on an episode yeah uh duck duck feed is uh you know an extremely healthy community um you guys do great work and always support great causes so you know um just doing my part thank you that's awesome yeah we really appreciate it um yeah and uh and thanks for choosing a game that like is something that you know, I, I played this last year when it came out, and I knew like, oh, this is, we'll get to this at some point. I'm mm-hmm. off because it's that kind of that kind of steez. Um, what uh, what brought you to this? What uh, made you choose uh, the 2018 Call of Cthulhu game? Um, what originally brought me to the game, uh, not not to sound like I like I'm trailing you too hard, but but it was uh, you talking about it on Twitter, <laughs> um, hmm. and and I picked it up. Um, and I thought, I thought this would be good because obviously, you know, you guys are very big into Lovecraft and Lovecraftian material. Um, and I also thought that, uh, it was a little bit different. Um, you know, my, my other choices for WAF, you know, basically were not, not really in the main vein of what typically I think you guys cover. Um, and you know, like like I think has been mentioned, uh, this is you know a walking sim plus, and <laughs> I don't and I don't think that's really something that 
has ever made its way, you know, in a big way into duck feed. So I thought this would be an interesting cover. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that comports. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great choice because, uh, when you, when you kind of gave us your, your choice for, you know, peek behind the curtain, when people sponsor a game, we give them kind of ask them for ranked choices. Um, and this worked out really well because it is the first episode of October and it is time for spooks. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, yeah. yes, for for real. I'm taking that song and making it about October. It's a it's a Halloween song now. Just picture a skeleton uh, singing it whenever you hear it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, welcome to October. Uh, mm-hmm. Extremely, uh, you know, wake me when the September ends. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Green Day. You did. <laughs> and now it is time for October, and it is uh, it is time for all of the spooky, scary games. And I can't be happier <laughs> with that because these are my favorite types of video games. High five, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, uh, this game, one of the things that drew me to it. And one of the things I think is really interesting is that this is kind of, I mean, it's pretty loose, but it is an adaptation of the call of Cthulhu tabletop game, which is my favorite, uh, tabletop game, yeah. uh, system. And, uh, it's pretty loose. It's an original story. It's not based on any modules or anything. Um, and, uh, you play in this game as a detective, Edward Pierce, and you're hired by a father to investigate the suspicious death of his daughter, who is an artist in the backwater Island of dark water. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome, welcome to <laughs> the evil tree forest. And, <laughs> it's, it's hitting so many, like, you know, you could, you could call them cliches, but like it is hitting so many of the notes that you would expect from a game called call of Cthulhu or that mm-hmm. is based in the mythos down to that name, Edward Pierce. Um, the yeah. fact that he is a shell shocked veteran of the first world, world world war who is, uh, an alcoholic and an addict. Like, yeah, yeah there we go. Cool. We're hitting it. <laughs> Every single one of them. It's kind of weird how Call of Cthulhu ends up being the premier place for World War One stuff. Well, yeah. Like, World War One never gets talked about, you know, even though it's kind of a big deal. Well, yeah. And I only really hear about it in Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Well, well World War One has, has kind of become this this topic that people, you know, because you don't talk about it anymore, it's become kind of the unknown. So, you know, it, it comports with, uh, with Lovecraftian mythos in that it is also about the horrors of things that you don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like a, like a horrific event, right? Like it's the first one, like it is an incredible, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, you know, it's very disrespectful to veterans to call a war Lovecraftian, but like, it was <laughs> like a really big, you know, both world wars had that kind of sense of a uh, scale that you cannot wrap your mind around. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, I mean, specifically world war one was something that changed humanity mm-hmm. in a really large way. Yeah. yeah. And of course, World War II as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, yes. We can't forget uh, World War Three coming mm-hmm. soon, maybe. <laughs> right around the corner. <laughs> oh. Um, but yeah, this is a first-person adventure game. We, you know, we, we refer to it as a walking sim. We don't really use that pejoratively here. Mm-hmm. At least I don't. Um, but yeah, it's a first person, uh, adventure game, primarily, you know, going from chapter to chapter, going into new locations, talking to people and advancing the story. Uh, this fits as a Call of Cthulhu, um, tabletop adaptation because eh, no real combat. It is about investigating. It is about having stuff uncovered. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that is, uh, my, but one of the things I really love about this game, like I think in the, in the grand scheme of, you know, explicitly Cthuloid games. I still think I kind of like dark corners of the earth a little bit better, but the, this matches the rhythms of the tabletop game really well, even if it doesn't do the mechanics. 
So like the kind of going from space to space, just walking around looking at things <laughs> is a lot of what that game is. Like this game has a, a spot hidden system, which we'll talk about, um, that basically is the the tabletop game. Yeah. You know, in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And the way they model, you know, interactions uh, between characters and NPCs run by the DM is that they have a Mass Effect-like dialogue choice system where certain options uh, that will either reveal information or get you what you want are hidden behind uh, skill checks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or like you know New Vegas, or like any you know, oh, yeah, yeah. any any number of of, of role playing games. I refer uh, to Mass Effect specifically because it is the wheel, it is the dialogue wheel kind of yeah, thing. They're set, yeah, they're setting a wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, those those skill checks are the kind of RPG element of this game. Even though calling it an RPG, you know, having played the game twice now, doesn't make a really big difference. Like that was <laughs> the kind of thing that made it unlocked for me. Like this is actually much more of a a hallway kind of story game. Um, mm-hmm. is through these character points. Mm-hmm. And you get you complete encounters and puzzles. Uh, you get character points and you put them into your skills. Right. Um, and these are like uh, so things like investigation, um, which is going to include like lockpicking, things like that. Like they broadened a lot of them. Uh, spot hidden, which is really interesting. Uh, like, well, I want to camp out on that for a moment when we, you know, at some point. Yeah. Um, strength, psychology and eloquence. Right. Um, and then you have two special skills, uh, medicine and a cult that are developed by just kind of reading things out in the world. Which uh, mm-hmm. encourages exploration. Those are uh, th- those tend to be pinned to really important interactions, um, especially a cult later on as stuff begins to go off the rails, as yeah. uh, as they tend to do. Uh, Spot hidden really is pretty interesting, um, uh, and I would like to hear uh, you explain it for them, Gary. Um, yeah. So the way Spot hidden works in this game um, is that uh, if you don't, it does the skill check passively. It never tells you that's doing it. And if you don't make the skill check, the item does not appear in the world. Right. Um, so that's one half of it. I think that's really cool and elegant. And that's, uh, you know, there's their skills are similar to this. Like, say, in Bloodlines, you have the Auspex skill. Mm-hmm. And what that does is make special items just glow so they're easier to find. But they're always there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can find them if you're careful enough. This, you know, there's no amount of player kind of agency that can, you know, uh, circumvent the object just not being there. Right. Uh, the other thing that I read but could not experience, but this is something that the devs have said, and I could not find very much information about that. You've got to note about how little information there is about this game online, is that as your sanity decreases, uh, you start seeing things – like it affects your spot hidden. So you see things that are not there. Hmm. Um, you find uh, your spot hiddening too well. You're finding clues that are not actually germane uh, to things and kind of increasing this chaff. The game doesn't have the the kind of mechanical backbone to back that up. Right. You know, at, at no point are you doing a LA, L.A. Noir style, like, let's compile the evidence parlor scene mm-hmm. where where that kind of thing would hurt you. Um, but just as a flavor thing, I really love that. Like, you are, you are literally snapping at shadows because your spot hidden is too good and you have lost too much sanity. Yeah. Um, I never ran into that, at least that I recognized that I did. Sometimes yeah. the stuff that I found in Spot Hidden, it was just kind of just like very vaguely attached to what was going mm-hmm. on, but it never felt like a red herring. It never yeah. felt like, oh, it, like it was feeding into any kind of like paranoia furnace, right? I like to think that's a failure more of the writing than the system. Yeah. Like it, it, it is, you know, the, there aren't a lot of uh, the clues that you find as much as it is satisfying, like doing the, the, the verb of investigation mm-hmm. in this game, the clues you find are never, uh, 
you know, there's not a lot to them. Right. Like there's no detective work really that happens in this game. So um, if, you know, and again, I couldn't find a lot of backup for that. That's something the dev said were in the game at some point. Maybe mm-hmm. that was a cut feature. Um, this is not a very well-documented game. Yeah. Um, but if so, if not, uh, someone take the idea and run with it. Yeah. Because it's extremely <laughs> cool. Yeah. You know, that in an L.A. Noir type system where there's actual consequence and you're trying to follow a procedure and how do you follow a procedure when you can't trust your eyes <laughs> uh, is a really interesting question. Yeah. Uh, something else I really liked, really liked it. Maybe it was spot hidden. Maybe it was investigate. Um, it would pop up an icon when there was an undiscovered item in a room mm-hmm. as well. Um, letting you know, like, Hey, you need to, you need to turn this room over a little bit more. I think that's just a, a function of the interface. I think that's just the game. Gotcha. Does that because, and again, I think that's a little bit of like, I mean, not failure, maybe too strong of a word, but like, it's a little bit of a problem with how linear the game is. Like mm-hmm. the game can't continue unless you find, right. You know, unless you find that thing. Yeah. You know, so yeah. when it comes know. to like character build and stuff, like Jack, what kind of tack did you decide to take um, early um, on? In in the fir- in the first playthrough that I I played uh, late last year um, <clears throat> or early this whatever uh, in my first playthrough <laughs> it was more it was more focused on um, I wanted to jack up spot hidden as much as possible because of my own neurosis about not being able to find literally any piece of chaff in the background of the game. Um, <laughs> It was kind of a personal failing. Um, in in the second playthrough, I kind of opted more to get investigation up as high as possible first, and then and then psychology, and then after that, eloquence. Um, I'm not a strong boy, so strength kind of <laughs> went by the wayside uh, in both playthroughs. Strength is a really strange skill in this, insofar as there is no combat, with a couple of exceptions that we'll talk about. It seems mostly to test intimidation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a definitely a dump stat. Yeah. Uh, you know, more, more than, uh, more than anything else. It is clearly the least, uh, interesting and, and least useful mm-hmm. of the stats. Um, the other interesting thing too, uh, just playing in the stats is a call to medicine. Those two things you can't gain traditionally. Um, you can put points into them at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Uh, so you can, you can kind of determine your background, but you can't grow, uh, that way. So, right. um, so there's a little bit of kind of, uh, you know, sanity system in this as well. Um, so choices will be affected by that. Um, you know, this is usual kind of Call of Cthulhu sanity stuff, like drinking, um, you know, reading ancient books, looking at things. There are a lot of plot mandatory sanity hits mm-hmm. that you have to take, which is true to the spirit yeah. of, uh, of things. And the uh, this has largely an effect on the endings right. uh, you can get. Um, in, in a way that I actually really like how it articulates, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I think that the ending, uh, the endings of this game are actually pretty good. Yeah. Which, uh, which is, would surprise me rare. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rare for, for, for this kind of thing, because the, the game itself is, you know, we were talking about in the green room, like it's basically a B mm-hmm. it's like a B game, um, yeah. you know, modest expectations, modest results. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the actual endings, the, the high sanity ending, which I didn't get on either of my playthroughs because I'm always going to chase that, mm-hmm. you know, if it's like, do you want the dark secrets? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, at I'm the very least, like, at yeah. the very least, I want to open the, 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 the grim, ba- the grim bestiary, the Malleus yeah. bestiarium or whatever, like give me the yeah. monsters, baby. Like if you give me a choice to sunder the the veil of reality, <laughs> and I'm in a safe, like I'm in a video game. Yeah. Who who is the cop that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't do that? For what? 
I hate I hate to I hate to be the cop. Um, I was kind of that <laughs> cop on this playthrough. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> but that was your that was yeah that was your first playthrough. It wasn't your first instinct. Yeah. Um, the uh, just because it, it feels like you know there's that uh, that axiom about tabletop games where it's like play your character like uh, a car you've stolen. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I try to do that in role playing games as well, which doesn't mean like just you know yoloing everything, but it does mm-hmm. mean something like, yeah, I need to find out what happens though. Yeah, um, it doesn't like sanity doesn't necessarily have a huge negative consequence in this. It mostly unlocks um, different um, like yeah, the d- different dialogue choices are pinned to different sanity levels, so you can maybe relate to people who are really far down the mythos pathway. Um, yeah. if you, uh, are insane as well, um, there's not a lot that I found that you were, uh, knocked out of and I didn't, you know, it didn't feel like it led to any fail states. Like, Until the end. Yeah. The big yeah. fail state right. that is the ending. <laughs> right, right. But like, you know, uh, I, I thought that, you know, when I went into it, I was like, okay, maybe if I have low sanity, um, and the, the character, um, uh, Pierce, he has, um, uh, claustrophobia. So I figured, oh, this might be a little bit like Penumbra, where if I get him into a situation where he's going to panic, you know, he'll alert people who are coming after me. No, not necessarily the case. It's really dialogue in the ending. Yeah. There are no hallucinations okay. or sanity effects. Um, I need yeah. to look up. I think that I think that patent on sanity effects that Nintendo has is actually running out soon. It's soon. It's not. I think it's 2021. Yeah. There's a, a conversation about it in the Slack recently, and it just <laughs> irritated me because the... Uh, that patent is so shitty and hateful. Yep. Um, you know, it's a thing. So uh hate that patent. Yeah. And also no one follows it because there have <laughs> definitely been games that have had sanity effects. You know, uh, amnesia, it is a sanity effect that like you respond. The, the specific wording of the patent is that the player can do things to ameliorate it. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fact that you can just constantly cast that glyph in eternal darkness to lower your insanity is mm-hmm. the the thing that is patented actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's the whole thing is a little bit of a video game urban legend when you actually yeah. read the document. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So the uh, uh, there is a little bit. So what we're kind of dancing around with this, the skill stuff is that it doesn't make a big difference. Right. Like there's a little bit of variability, a little bit of choice. But the game is really setting down for a story. Yeah. Um, when you're not just talking to people and kind of exploring the story through dialogue, you're doing it through the environments, kind of searching them. Uh, and then the other kind of gimmick to this game, which are reconstructions, yeah. um, which are a kind of flashback detective mode kind of thing where you assemble clues and figure out what happened. Yeah, it is a combination of like detective vision and that one chapter of The Witcher 3 Hearts of Stone yeah. <laughs> where you yeah. see the, the, the still figures uh, kind of interacting mid uh, uh, or posing mid incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, as we've alluded to, um, there's really no combat in the game. It shows up in two chapters and it's really bad. Yeah. Very bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very silly. Like it, it's, uh, the one where you're shooting things, uh, I just think is kind of a waste. Like, I don't think it's, you know, it's really bad combat, but it's just kind of perfunctory. Like it reminds me of an arcade sequence from an old adventure game or something. Mm-hmm. That's you know, a, yeah, that's a good the, comparison. Yeah. You know? Uh, the other ones where it is chase kind of based, you mm-hmm. know, like non-combat, but kind of running around, those I have some affection for. Yeah, I think are are kind of good. Uh, yeah, um, I'm specifically referring to the referring to the uh, the, um, the, the, the shooting chase. as as, yeah. as the combat. The chases are good and fine, um, yeah. but yeah, just like it, it is baffling to me that you have a first person game 
Um, and it is a crazy, like icon based auto auto aim kind of deal. Yeah. The way that it it's goes. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> just a, yeah. just a very strange choice. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it is, it is, it doesn't, it's not uh hard. Mm-hmm. It's not a roadblock. It's actually no. too easy as the problem. So you just yeah. kind of scoot through. I feel like not, not only is it too easy, but it also interrupts the flavor of the game, you know, given that the, the placement of, you know, the infamous combat, you know, sequence that you have to walk through, it seems like it, it completely subverts the expectations that you've been dealing with in the previous two times where you, you know, you've had to either, you know, elude a monster or use stealth or both. Yeah. And and then it's just, oh, oh, here, have a gun. This is a first person game. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Where, where was this gun before? Yeah. Like, why did, why did I just allow myself to be shook down by the, the crime boss? Yeah. Why did I not try shooting the dimensional shambler? You know, <laughs> what, what kind of miraculous, uh, paradise is this where there's only one gun on the island? Can you imagine Gun Island? <laughs> one Gun like Island. The, the, the one Gun Island, like the reality show that is One Gun Island. Yeah. What a on nightmare. NRA TV. <laughs> I, I thought about before, like if you could travel back in time and you, you traveled back to, you know, a pre-gun era with like 200 bullets, you could essentially be a superhero. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. Like you would be, you'd be like a, a, a dragon. Like you'd be, you'd be something to be feared. Yeah. Uh, you know? Um, so this that, that's kind of is one my boomstick. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You got, you got yourself an army of darkness kind of situation there going on. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the, the the combat for me, not to dwell on this, the problem was the jank got me killed a lot. Mm. Um, because the, I, I don't know about you guys, I played this on PS4. Um, and the aiming as well. It just led to me, um, you know, pointing directly at somebody firing. They would miss and they would, you know, overtake me. And that was a real bummer. More of an annoyance than anything. I got past it, but. I might be, uh, you know, I played on PC, so I maybe didn't have that problem. Hmm. You know, it led to me, the combat, the issue with the combat scenes where they were basically perfunctory. No, so you're better than me. Um, well, my, my method of gaming is better than gotcha. your method of gaming. Okay, gotcha. oh, so, dear. which reflects on me <laughs> as a person. <laughs> so yes, it's just, there's a couple steps to get there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, this is a loose adaptation of the call of Cthulhu, uh, tabletop system, not necessarily the short story, the call of Cthulhu. Um, yeah. You know, so you've got uh, some elements of the horror at the museum. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, like it takes place in this insular island, this insular island community. Um, so there's a little bit of uh, shadow over Innsmouth, kind of a big hodgepodge. It, it, it is. It is 100 percent a melange of kind of Lovecraft's greatest hits. Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting about this that is just, you know, worth talking about anytime you talk about something that Lovecraft did is like, you know, we, we've talked about before on dispatches, like whether it is a moral imperative, if you're going to make something with Lovecraft in the title to make it be about uh, his racism, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think that either of us come down on the side that that is a moral imperative. Yeah, I think you do have a responsibility not to recreate that racism. And the game doesn't really do it. Right. Uh, the uh, I was expecting this to have a lot more Shadow Over Innsmouth. For people who don't know, Shadow Over Innsmouth is an insular town where people have been interbreeding with fish monsters. It is a thinly veiled metaphor for miscegenation in general because Lovecraft was a racist. Um, the uh, In this, there's no interbreeding. No. Like, spoiler, like, it gives you all of the Innsmouth, you know, 
kind of flavor, but no Innsmouth stuff has happened or will happen in this. Right. It, there, there is body horror and there is transformation and things like that, but it is the result of a dark communion as opposed yeah. to anything regarding, you know, anything that would be a metaphor for something that is, you know, charged in the real world. Yeah. It's just a bunch of white cultists yeah. who who did who made a Faustian bargain, right? Like it it is, uh, you know, in 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 that for my standards, everyone can set their own standards, but for my standards, not being racist, and then playing with the ideas that Lovecraft does that are not racist and are actually very good, mm-hmm. like clears my bar. Yeah, you know, uh, but everyone's got their own bar. Mm-hmm. It's just worth worth pointing out. Um, the uh, so there's a lot of shadow over Innsmouth in this. There's a, a quite a uh, a bit of the horror at the museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, which is interesting because that's not a super popular no uh, story, and there is a decent amount of the actual Call of Cthulhu right um, in this. So uh, yeah, kind of a real melange. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the, one of the things that uh, when I started playing this game that I, I I didn't I didn't know kind of where the story was going to go because I had heard that it was sort of its own thing and not a direct adaptation. Is there there is a character in this game who at first read to me as having pretty much the Innsmouth look, um, <laughs> but they didn't really go anywhere with it, and 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 then obviously it went away. But m- my first instinct was. Um, spoiler alert it was uh officer bradley uh, mm. my first instinct when i saw oh. him was oh this guy basically has the insmith look <laughs> yeah my my uh my first instinct when i saw him it was that he just took a cup full of teeth <laughs> and then swished them around in his mouth and like half of them stuck <laughs> like that's just i think that it's the, there's a you know we'll talk about the production and graphics of this but yeah. it's extremely modest and some of these models are really ugly some of them are fine <laughs> Some of them are extremely ugly, and Bradley looks like such a monster. Yep, uh, and it's yep. not on purpose. He's just a guy. <laughs> he's uh, there's you know, he's just an extremely homely man who have like dude, too many teeth. <laughs> <laughs> you got too many teeth, Bradley. You can't just go to the dentist and say, "Give me all you got." Give me give me shark trip. dentures. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, no, no, I'm I'm driving. I put me down for 20. You know, I don't understand what happened to his face. And I think that, it, you know, the most charitable, intentional read I can give is what you're saying, Jack, is that that's an intentional swerve to make you think that maybe people are interbreeding with fish people mm-hmm. in this. But there is there's no miscegenation plot in this. Right. No, it is, it is a deeply unsexual game. Right. Um, and it's uh, so, yeah, he's just really and nobody else looks as bad as he does. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. He's, he's just an ugly motherfucker. I think part of it too, like <laughs> they, they <laughs> no, no offense to ugly motherfuckers out there. It's yeah, fine to listen, look. Listen, ugly motherfucker, Americans. Yeah, we we value and respect you. Yeah, you you, you should not be made to feel lesser. We're talking yeah. about a we're talking about a fictional character. I, I think the in like the in universe justification for a little bit of his homeliness is the fact that he is a victim of cat. Um, yeah, he, he's got the like the Glasgow smile going on. She he got jokered by her. Yeah. Um, but that mostly healed and, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know that I got an Innsmouth kind of vibe out of him, but between his, um, between his character model and his, uh, his, his, uh, vo- vocal performance, uh, yeah, mm. there, there definitely is something that's like not that great about him, but he ends up kind of being the most solid bro. Yeah. 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 I, I yeah. actually really like him as a character in yeah. this. Like he's, he's a really sympathetic victim. Mm-hmm. Of, of and I, I don't thing. I don't want to camp out on how ugly Bradley is, but when <laughs> when he's when you see him later in the game without his hat, who who boy, <laughs> <laughs> like no, put it back on, <laughs> take him off the glass. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so. 
Um, so this this initial announcement for this game, this has been was in the pipeline for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It was made in 2014 with uh, Frogware. Uh, Frogware yeah. is attached to develop it. Yeah, the um, uh, Sherlock Holmes people and yeah. now currently Sinking City people. Yeah, who ended up making the Sinking City, which is uh, I intended to have completed or be further in mm-hmm. in time to compare because they both it was kind of an Armageddon Deep Impact yeah, illusionist yeah. prestige kind of thing with these games um but i Duckfest happened and i didn't uh get very far in the sinking city it's really interesting it's going in a totally different direction yeah, as it far is, as it is absolutely a completely different animal i yeah. yeah i've played probably four or five hours of it and just the oh i'm walking around and here's all these various different factions of Cthuloids, <laughs> you know yeah god i i desperately want to play it i'm i'm it, getting ahead so i can play it it's very interesting to me the idea of, and that is like also has Waff game replied all you know or like written all over it, mm-hmm. right? Like at some point we will we'll do that game. Um, the uh, the idea of instead of just like kind of hand waving, you know, the racist aspects of the you know the fishmen and uh, Arthur German was mm-hmm. a weird story for them to to really lean into, um, <laughs> but just going all into it. Yeah. But then making the people like full characters is a really interesting treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was handed off to Cyanide, the story developers of games like Pro Tour Cycling Manager. Hell yeah! <laughs> and uh, the, uh, there's a game, a Party Dungeon, uh, which I think is an adaptation <laughs> of The Outsider. Um, yeah, yeah n- n- not necessarily the the, the team. I would. Uh, I, th- I think the Cyanide is like an in-house or like second-party studio for Focus Home Interactive. And I think Focus mm. Home Interactive had the rights. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's that's how it ultimately uh, panned out the way that it did. Um, and yeah, like that. Well, they, long... they also sorry, sorry, cool. I just needed to double check because they've also done stuff that is more in this wheelhouse. Right. These are the people who did the sticks games, mm. which are also like 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 stealth. Games. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that yeah. that, that, that so, is possible. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the, yeah, they, well, it, it is like yes. they, they did um, the um, so the, these are also things that they have. Uh, so there's there's things that are a little bit more in the the, mm-hmm. the wheelhouse for them. It's yeah. not exclusively uh, Tour de France simulators. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also did like Space Hulk, too. So it's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not all these Sims uh, Blood Bowl. Uh, weird uh, that they did Blood Bowl as well. So like just this team that makes tabletop game adaptations, too. There's. They're going to be um, well. The uh, in in conglo- uh, conglomeration with or something. They're supposed to, they're supposed to be working with um, uh, uh, on the werewolf game, the werewolf yes. the apocalypse game, which Earth is Blood. Earth Blood. So yeah, so they they're definitely doing some tabletop. Yeah, uh, kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. So and those six games are actually like not bad. Those mm-hmm. are pretty fun actually. Um, more developed stealth than this game has. We didn't really talk about the stealth in this uh, because it's not super developed, but we'll talk about it when it comes up. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, not much really is out there about this game. The interviews that you can look up are pretty hilarious uh, because the developers, Johnny Tightlips, I'm not telling you mm. nothing. Um, yeah. Very short answers, um, very incomplete information, very misleading information. Um, and uh, interviewers who straight up just like, ask the wrong question or state something wrong about the game. And then the, 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 the developer just says, no, it's not like that. This is an open world game, huh? No, it is not open world. This is a linear story. It was, no. was, was one of them that I saw like, Oh, why'd you print that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and kind of consequently, this is a modest game on all around. So it yeah. got, kind of got a budget release. I uh, got middling reviews. Um, pretty, pretty, you know, mediocre sales. Um, and is, you know, mediocre plus, as a game 
Yeah. You know, like it, it's getting a little bit ahead to kind of final evaluations and stuff. But like, I enjoyed this game. You know, I had a lot of fun with it. The second time, you know, it was all right. Like, I I liked it a little bit more because I had tempered my expectations mm-hmm. a little bit. I think it is the kind of thing that is good if you go into it with really really solid set of what you're going to get into. Yeah. With it, uh, because which is a uh, you know a, a narrative that is actually like pretty decent. Um, you know, gameplay that moves along at an okay clip you know, not outstanding and it's not super scary. Yeah. Um, I was definitely expecting a more horrific game. And next week we're doing, uh, uh, shattered memories, which I also don't think is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are going for two for two on non-scary games for October, <laughs> um, which is a kind kind of an odd choice. Yeah. Um, you, you, you don't find the idea of a psychologist's office scary. I, you know, I, I do think that he is kind of uncommonly sex focused in a way that is somehow a thousand times grosser with the reveal. Like that was the actual horror of the reveal. It wasn't, you know, cause I, I kind of predicted it a little bit early on, but then by the time I predicted about it, he was like really being super skeevy and I was yep. like, Oh, surely it's not the, cause he's being such a fucking sex pest. And then it's like, Nope, it's just, what if there was a perverted psychologist, the game, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, get off my. <laughs> like, this fucking sucks, you know. Um, but anyway, that's a little preview for next week. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah, um, starting us here with chapter one of fourteen, uh, which of course is going to have to begin in the cluttered office of a failing private eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. sucks that private eyes really all they actually do in real life is try to stop people from getting workman's comp. because it used to be cool in the 20s and now it's just like now they're just like absolutely oppressors like someday we'll get the eddie valiant game we deserve yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but he's uh but he's asleep and of course he's gonna have a dream as well um and we get to see the underwater caves full of you know half eaten half destroyed rotting uh sharks and other uh creatures this is our uh, kind of movement tutorial uh, as we are being guided by this deep disembodied voice yeah uh and this is telling us about our destiny mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know we have been chosen this is uh you know we can't fight this and that is kind of a theme of this like actually you can you know that's that's kind of the trick the game you know spends its its you know 6 hours or 8 hours or whatever doing is like you can you just have to be seen enough to know you can by the end mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as you're moving through this kind of gristle and grossness, um, you know, and I, I love this, the scene, I think this is really good. Like just being in a cave full of fish guts is like pretty scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you eventually walk up on these cultists and they have no faces. Right. Um, this is because of the dream, like nature of this. Yeah. Opening of dark souls too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we've got, I forget the name of this guy, uh, Cthulhu cultist, tentacle arm dude, uh, attacks you and we get a third part, a third person view. Uh, you, our character has, you know, you have no face and also you're in an army uniform. So very obviously a dream. The only way mm-hmm. it could be more of a dream of you is if, uh, this was also during a, uh, during a standardized test oh. and we wake up yep. back in the office present day. Yep. Um, the phone rings and this is how we do character creation. The agency asks us that, you know, they had a fire, they lost some of their files. Um, so they are asking you to repeat some of your details, mm-hmm. you know, so can you repeat what do you put as your investigation score on your application? <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. I hired you sooner. Sorry, yeah. sir, it only goes up to five. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, this is the one of the first times that you hear the character's voice. Gary, did you know this is the same voice actor who did the main guy in Vampire? Vampire? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, boy, did I. <laughs> I? I played these back to back, basically. Oh, it was God. really surreal. <laughs> and they look very similar, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's largely the same character. <laughs> um, you know, also in, in that, like, bin of, like, games we have to do for the show, because Vampire course. is extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I like this voice actor, even though there's a mispro- – like, a load-bearing mispronunciation in <laughs> Chapter 2. It's <laughs> like, like, a, like a nuclear-grade mispronunciation. I forget. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I made a note of it. What, what is it? Uh, macabre. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mac- yes. Like, yes. What? What a macabre display. You speak English. Yeah, like and there's somebody who directed this, right? Is there yeah. nobody in the sound booth? No. Like uh, No, the person uh, who directed it was one take Jake. Yeah, one take Jake. <laughs> like roll with it. Yeah. We'll just say he was a detective who doesn't know how to talk. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. J- Jack, did you poke around this office at all before uh I I I have, like I said, I have that personal failing where I have to look at every piece of chaff out out in the room. Yes, I I checked out the old solved cases and uh, the resolved cases, at all of the other um, all the other little doodads that were hanging out there. Yes, yeah, all all of uh, his whole library that is just the curriculum. If you were training to be a Call of Cthulhu protagonist, yeah, yeah, I, I, I actually that was like, like that because it's funny. I, I I don't necessarily think that anyone's first uh instinct is probably going to be to put the um occult stat up but it looks like he should have uh, a pretty naturally high occult score as it is mm-hmm. yeah. yeah if you could just read all of those no yeah i i mean i think i think this is the genre where it makes the most sense to just absolutely be a completist and look at everything because oh, it's yeah. a game where like the all of the joys you're going to get are from looking at things mm-hmm. you know it's looking at things the game like you know walking walking <laughs> your primary verb sense. Totally. Like you look and comment. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So. Um, so, uh, basically we're given an ultimatum. You need to take a case or else you're going to, you know, lo- you're gonna lose the contract. Um, they don't seem to be doing an awful lot for you if you're not getting cases. It's a weird arrangement, but, um, uh, all of that is moot because a client comes banging on the door. Guess what? It's destiny. It is a man named Steven Webster, uh, a real Roger Stone looking motherfucker. Um, who comes in carrying a painting. He's this industrialist and his daughter, Sarah Hawkins, famous painter, um, died in a fire, but it's very mysterious. People say, oh, in a fit of melancholy, she lit the house on fire, killed the family. Um, I don't believe that's the case. You need to go and double check the police work. Yeah. And and early on, you know, we we talk about the, the, the melange of Lovecraft stories. Like there's a lot of Pikmin in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause he's saying like, yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, of course I've heard of her. Like her art is supposed to be like, you know, in crazy macabre, like just, just really, really, uh, you know, send people for a loop. Uh, and we look at, you know, these paintings and like, you know, it's, it's a real like risky thing when you try to, like, it's a reason why anyone who's ever taken a, a stab at writing the King in yellow, like there, there's a, there's a version like, um, God, like ring, I guess is, is his last name, Thomas ring did a made a version of it that I bought and read mm. and like, it's a good creepy play, but I didn't go crazy yeah. after reading it, you know, making these things are like, this is supposed to actually make you go insane to look at it. And then showing it to the player is a really like risky proposition that is never going to pay off for you. Yeah. Like all of the paintings and stuff that she does like look like concept art and they're kind of creepy, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, but that in, in the fiction, you kind of have to believe like, okay, 
you know, my version of Pierce is saying this is having a strange effect on him. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they could they do cool stuff with this later that ends up being pretty subtle, where the uh, the paintings change as yeah, you're yeah. Uh, looking away from them and stuff too. So there's a little bit of that too, and one of them actually is a portal. So yeah, yep. <laughs> so. There's a there, there's a little bit of that, but um, you know it's like hey proof that she's saying here's this crazy uh, this crazy painting and you go in and examine it, um, and yeah we've got to go to Darkwater where she basically ran off to um, to go into her hermitage with her family um, to get this proof. Yep. Uh, so you leave your door and you uh, end up on a ship on your way to Darkwater, um, and this is not like a real place at all. You know this is a big foggy island. Mm-hmm. Everything's uh, green. You know. Everything is green. Put, put on these green um, uh, St. Patrick's Day glasses. Nope. There's uh, just piles of standing fish guts everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, when we get there, we are told uh, there's, there's a place called Warehouse 36. Um, it was on the painting shipping label, and that is our first clue. Yeah. Um, and the ship that we're on is piloted by this Captain Fitzroy, who's this really imposing character who seems, uh, you know, kind of cult leadery to me. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. his voice. Yes. It's very Brian Doyle Murray mm. uh, to me. Um, and he's he also is a solid bro. Yeah. Like he does seem kind of like cult leader, but he's also very kind and cooperative, mm-hmm. uh, which I really love. Um, you know, so he, he says, you know, hey, check out down the bar. There's a bar called the Stranded Whale. Also, come find me at the harbor office. I'm the harbor master. Yeah. Um, and we see uh, up uh, to the left, there's kind of a hollow blue happening uh, because a, a mutilated whale. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you, know, you know, beluga is a type of whale, right? Like, <laughs> like you could have done a little bit better. Yeah. Hall of Baleen. So there's a, there's a mutilated whale that has uh, washed up on the beach. Yeah. And the, the, the cops want to kick it back in the water and the sailors are like, no, leave it here. Like we, we want to, we want to live in rotten filth. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Let the oil spread down the gutters, please. Yeah. yeah they, 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 I think, I think uh, it stands a little bit to reason of like, why would you put it back into the ocean? Whatever ate it is just going to come back. Yeah. So, and, and they specifically call the cops shysters for trying yes. to put the whale back into <laughs> yeah. the water. Yeah, trying to get one over on us, huh? We get a free whale here. Stuff going on with the the, <laughs> the the script of this from time to time. Yeah. Like the the voice acting on the sailors are, is very funny to me too, and not yeah. super good. Like there are some good voice performances in this, but mm-hmm. like the sailors are pretty goofy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this uh, it, it outlines the superstition, at least of the of the working class people here. Um, my first stop was at the stranded whale. Uh, pop mm-hmm. in. Uh, you know, wet my gills, all of that, and of course they are unwelcoming. I was not able to resolve the uh, the opening conflict with the uh, with the patron who wanted respect yeah. from me. Yeah, me, me, me either. Uh, either time, I think this might be something that is actually tied to strength. Mm. Um, just because both times I used strength as a d- dump stat, and both times I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but he spits on you, like he always spits on the ground uh, when you come in, and then you uh, knock uh, his bar stool out to kind of make him slam his face on the table. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the barkeep, you know, at this point, like won't serve you. At this point, like this is, and it's going on. He goes, "Hey, you have a lot of booze here for prohibition," and he's just unfazed. Like the yeah. the populace of this island are hearty folk. <laughs> um, and underlining that hardiness is the people singing a sea chanty um, mm-hmm. about the miraculous catch. Um, I hate this song. Uh, oh, well, yeah, the song, the song is not good. Yeah. I am here for both the uh, front street and back street miraculous catch. Yes. Mir- miraculous catch is the coolest thing about this game to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's really, really cool. Like the stuff that happens with that. There are a couple of individual tricks I think are really awesome that happen later too. Mm -hmm. But the miraculous catch is really good. Yeah. Um, but as the inciting incident here, you can go and read a, um, go and read a newspaper article basically explaining that this island, everybody was about to die due to famine when this ship called the Scylla, um, came back in with, um, let's say a whale for right now, uh, that was way bigger than anything anybody had ever seen. And it was enough to feed the entire island. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also some foreshadowing here. Uh, there are two people uh, who work at the local asylum <clears throat> talking about the doctor and working there and that being kind of creepy. There is a guy who is muttering about uh, ancient texts. Like there's another Lovecraft protagonist mm. who, who's sitting here. Uh, <laughs> you know, table you play him in the DLC. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, I actually don't I don't think you do play him. You do end up playing as some other people. You don't play this guy, but we do meet him like he's an important character mm. uh, in the game. Uh, and then you uh, you also run into in the back uh, the miraculous cat mm -hmm. uh, who is the local gangstress. Yeah, um, I, I like the way she's written. I don't care for her performance. She is too soft spoken to be mm. threatening. Yeah. Well, she beats she backs it up. That's true. She like handily just beats the shit out of you in about 20 minutes. So, oh, I, I, I don't think that happened to me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe there's more branching in this than we thought. Maybe. We'll see. We'll yeah, that, yeah, I got the beat down from Cat too. Hmm. Yeah, I super got beat down. Hmm. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But that, that's basically, you know, the bar uh, for – did uh, Jack, did you manage to resolve the stuff with the bartender and get any intelligence here? Or was it like me and Cole where you had to go elsewhere for your uh, your path forward? No, the bartender was a brick wall, more or less. Yeah. I, I those the first the first incident with the patron and and the bartender. I mean, it's got to be. I think I think with the patron, you're looking at strength, probably like like you mentioned, and uh, I think eloquence, probably with the bartender, but mm. um, never where I kind of started yeah. with Pierce yeah. and my playthrough. So, one one of the things I think is kind of a, a missed opportunity in this game is that this first chapter actually has a lot of different ways forward. Um, there are a lot of little problems that you'll do in this chapter that are uh, solved by multiple builds in lots of different ways. And the game kind of works as a funnel. Um, as you get further into it, there's less of that. There are some kind of um, spikes of it later where there'll be different ways to do something, but it gets a little bit more artificial and then goes away. Um, you know, and that, that's a pretty common trajectory that games take, you know, where it feels like a lot of care was put into the first areas because they know that's what people will see. And this mm -hmm. first area, there is more variance than there is in the rest of the game. Um, when you go to Fitzroy's office, the uh, the harbor master, um, this is full of detail. You can kind of wander around his office uh, looking around, and there are interesting things, um, very specifically uh, in terms of foreshadowing. And again, uh, taking another Lovecraft story and kind of hinting towards it, you can find a picture of his father who is missing a <laughs> leg yeah. uh, who looks just like him. Yeah. Um, and then you find the leg and that's the thing that's so macabre. <laughs> um, and then you, uh, but you can, you just kind of go around looking at these manifests, trying to find things. The manifest, uh, are all blacked out. Yeah. Um, you know, are redacted and you find a letter from cat, uh, kind of showing you the power struggle in this town cat, mm -hmm. as we mentioned, the local gangstress and, uh, Fitzroy, who is the harbor master. Right. Uh, the, the harbor master for a place that hasn't done any real fishing or shipping in decades. Yeah. Nothing yeah. about well, this I mean, lines up. Yeah, which is great. Like I that's a you know, it feels like a plot hole, but it's actually incredibly intentional. Oh no, I'm I'm talking yeah. about it like it's like, yeah, it's like it's, <laughs> I'm I'm actually kind of surprised Pierce isn't making a bigger deal out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's not a very good detective. Well, true. <laughs> um one of the interesting things too is if you can uh, early on in your office and then also at the bartender if you're able to, uh the way drinking 
works in this game um in kind of like a thing i actually really like but is counterintuitive uh drinking is good for your sanity in this yes it uh it, Um, it, it it dulls your senses so you don't see all of the uh uh awful things yep yeah um, so if you want to, you know, it seems like when you take a drink, it will say like your that has affected your destiny. Yeah. Um, and what that ultimately means is the choices you can make at the end. And again, like, you know, Call of Cthulhu's underscore trick is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it uh, is you doing all the, the entire game just to build up to what options you get at the end. Yeah. And you have to do some kind of counterintuitive things to get the good ending, which is also pretty subversive, I think. Yeah. Um, and it, that includes just drinking every time you get a chance to. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which is a very Lovecraftian idea. Like the best way to deal with this stuff is not to look at it. Yes. Um, so. Something that I love about Fitzroy, the, you know, the interaction with Fitzroy in his office um, is that, you know, if you finding that letter opens up a dialogue choice with him, mm-hmm. you know, um, that was not something that I expected to happen, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not really that forthcoming about Kat aside from saying, yeah, like her business is bootlegging, uh, which is pretty funny because you got a bar right there. So, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, she, it turns out she bootlegs lots of stuff. Yes. Uh, kind of an all purpose smuggler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he points out, uh, the warehouse that we need to go to. And of course, all the ways you're blocked in. And this is, uh, you know, one of those areas where it widens out. I think there are a few ways. Um, I managed to, um, steal some hooch to get in, like creating a, uh, creating a tussle, um, with some drunkards to get, uh, the bootlegger guards away. Uh, but I'm mm. curious how, how you guys did it. Well, so you went in the back way initially. Yeah. Um, I think that me and Jack both tried to go in the front way first. Mm. So we got, uh, that's why we got the, the sequence we talked about. Gotcha. Yeah. The, um, um, the, the, the front way where, where you're uh, kind of trying to get that winch to lift the gate up. Um, mm-hmm. and what, what happened to me was I, I broke it so I couldn't do it. And I, as I was walking out, like, oh, well, I, this didn't happen the first time I played the game. <laughs> that's when cat showed up and i thought i was going to get the business end of the stiletto and have to reload but then instead i just got the solid punch in the gut ah yeah yeah so you can uh if you, you go in there and it kind of gives you a little bit of a tutorial on a uh, spot hidden hmm. uh when you go into the thing trying to lift up this winch to find these tunnels under the warehouse that goes into the proper warehouse gotcha. um, so when we say the front way what we're actually talking about is an open warehouse that connects gotcha um underground um, so you go and kind of go on the scavenger hunt, uh, the winch breaks, and then on your way out, Cat runs into you and says, like, hey, this is my territory. You mm. never, you know, said you would give us business or you, you could do business here. Um, if you have high enough strength, you can you can fight back. But if you don't, uh, she beats the crap out of you and leaves you uh, beat up. Um, then, you you know, you try to go in the way that you're talking about, Cole, uh, to get in the back. And there are a lot of different ways, actually, this can this can articulate. Oh, I was, um, I was and, surprised how many different ways you could actually get in there. Yeah. Like this, this is, you know, if the whole game was like this, this would be a better game. You know, yeah. it'd be, it'd be really It'd great. be a vent crawler. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, cause it has that feeling a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, initially like you can, uh, go, like you said, uh, there are two, um, uh, derelicts who, uh, were really upset because the two guys guarding the warehouse, um, are they, they think they defaced the statue to say yeah. Brendan, yeah. uh, their Brendan has this weird writing on it, which we'll later find out as Aklo. Um, and if you can get them some booze, they'll cause a distraction. Um, you can go and eavesdrop on the guards before talking to them when they don't know that you're trying to get in and they will, uh, let loose like some information that allows you to talk your way past them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, uh, the default option. So the game doesn't make you stuck is you can go and talk to cat and say, listen, you know, you already beat the crap out of me. I'm <laughs> not going to do anything. 
in there. You just need to let me look at it. And she says, fine, but you'll owe me a favor and I get to come with you. Mm. Uh, and then she comes in and watches you do the do the investigation. It changes some dialogue. She never actually uh, calls in that favor, though. Gotcha. Gotcha. Threat. Yeah. 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 I was I was curious if that was going to affect something later. Um, yeah. When you said when you said there was a favor. Yeah. For me, it just ended up being uh, an investigation check to crack the uh, to pop the lock on a uh, yeah. on a shack and bring a bring a bottle of booze uh to some yeah. folks sleeping in over to a rowboat. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can also get the booze from the bartender if you didn't piss off the bartender. Mm. So there's actually like a lot of ways wow. to do this initially, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um but you get inside, it's kind of weird that everybody is protecting it so much cuz there's not really anything there. Uh you can do a, you can do your first uh crime scene recreation. Um, uh, looking around here, looking for details. Uh, there's a broken mirror, some bloody bandages. Um, there is a Sarah Hawkins painting that is here. Another piece of concept mm -hmm. art, um, and a picture of the Hawkins family. Um, so nothing really, you know, huge, just some details about, um, Hawkins herself and her clan. Yeah. I, uh, what do you, what do you guys think about these? I, I generally like these reconstructions. They're very linear and there's only one way to do them. But I do like that the way that they articulate, like it taking these things that are permanent fixtures, like the way they are now, and then filling in how they got there, mm -hmm. you know, through I these thought, kind of ghost images. I thought they were pretty interesting. I I was really stoked the first time I saw this particular one. And then um, as you got into the mansion later <clears throat> and the other and the other ones that you had to do uh, kind of had a little bit less less enthusiasm for those because um, it just kind of again seemed like sort of a a, a different sort of hallway yeah yeah no, there's a, there's not a lot of nonlinearity. even though these are the scene for the other like there's two big tricks this game does <laughs> you know what i'm talking about and that this is the scene of one of those yeah i was going to talk yes. about that i generally think these are fine um the one that you do in like chapter 12 or whatever it is yeah um, that's great yeah i love that that's um, very cool. good yeah yeah um, so yeah, so we, when, as you're doing this, officer Bradley pops up, we've talked to him before cause, uh, we, we stopped people from calling him a shyster. Mm. Uh, and, uh, he catches you snooping, you know, pulls his gun on you, uh, and you talk him down you ask about the painting. Um, he talks about, it came from the Hawkins mansion and you're like, well, we need to investigate that. Like, let's team up. And we find out that Bradley had a, a personal connection to that family. Like he cared about them. He was friends with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, Br uh, Bradley's solid. You know. He's a caring dude. Um, as we are, uh, you know, leaving, uh, this thing cat runs unto us, kind of threatens us. And, uh, we find out that's when we find out the cat has, uh, Joker smiled Bradley. Yes. Um, tore him up. Mm hmm. Yep. So. Taking us to chapter three, uh, the Hawkins mansion, appropriately spooky. Uh, mm -hmm. it is not burned down contrary to the intelligence <laughs> that we got. <laughs> yeah, for for a place where there was a tragic fire, it is uh, surprisingly intact. Yes, yeah. uh, very uh, very house goals. <laughs> like I I want to live in a in this place with this garden full of weeping angel statues and you know uh, a personal graveyard. Yeah, and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, yeah. This is all great. There don't even need to be bodies in it. I just no I no just just, just 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 go to a spirit Halloween and and, and get a few yes. get a placeholder yeah yes um, give me a supermarket sweep like a four thousand dollars supermarket sweep at spirit Halloween and an old house and I will yeah. be happy no I I I I idly browse around on Zillow looking for properties that have um a big a huge HHF a haunted house mm -hmm. factor yeah yeah um yeah you know just fun to do look for creepy old places that would be way more a secret passage yes 
like so badly. God, they're so it, fucking it, expensive to put in, man. It can <laughs> just go to a bathroom, <laughs> like a private toilet. Yeah. Toilet for money. I'm like, <laughs> a private toilet. A toilet for money. Um, that's, I mean, I would, I would, that's all I want. Life. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man. I just need a solid gold rocket car and a private toilet. Um, when you get out of the car, Bradley starts talking about this other character, Silas Winchester, who's the mansion's caretaker. Um, and he says, I'm going to, he's like, you, do you want me to come with you or not? And you can, you can either, you know, you, at this point, I didn't know totally whether to trust Bradley. I didn't know mm-hmm. he was a solid bro. So it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Cause I, I was operating fully under Innsmouth, mm-hmm. uh, thoughts like, Oh, this guy's a cultist. Yeah. He's got a mouthful of teeth and he <laughs> lives on dark water Island. Of course he's a cultist. So the first playthrough, I didn't take him with me. And mm-hmm. that actually has effects later, uh, with this uh, encounter with Silas. Yeah. I thought Silas would be more of a thing. Yeah. He never really he shows up again. Too. No. no. Silas goes away. Yeah. Um, I, I took Bradley with me, but he got uh, hung up on the graves. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're over there looking at the, you know, the baby grave and the mama grave and the daddy grave. Um, yeah, this one is just right. Just right. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but I went over to the side entrance because the front entrance was, was blocked off and Silas comes out threatening you with an axe. Um, and was something that's funny about this is lying never worked for me. Um, Mm. and it wasn't like I, I emphasized eloquence in my build. I think that it just, it, it just is discouraging that because I, I think that I tried to smooth talk him or something like that, where the right answer is to say, Hey, I'm an investigator and I'm working with the police. Like just treat him Mm. as if he's straight up and not a crazy man who lives in a, in a burned down mansion. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that is eloquence or, or psychology. I don't know which one. Yeah. On um, one of my two playthroughs, I successfully lied to him. Hmm. Also, Bradley will come with you. It's like a patience thing. You have to give him time to mourn, mm. and then he will follow you, which is yeah. an interesting kind of kind of thing. Like, you can't really talk to him or shunt him to move along faster, which is usually how that would work in video games. Yeah. <laughs> Push him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Silas, you know, threatens with you an axe. You talk him down. Uh, you can either get the key or you can have him let you in mm-hmm. or things like that. Um, once you get in, uh, you get to walk in, uh, you know, with Officer Bradley um, walking through and check out these different scenes of problems and kind of learn a little bit about this family. Yeah. yeah. I, I the, the, the minute I got into the dining room and I saw the big rotting feast on the table, I just wanted to take yeah, a picture right. of it, send it to you, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and give me that stuff. Give me that. <laughs> give me that dishonored rotting fish table. <laughs> yep. Um, but what I love, you know, you you can look at it. You can do a medical check on the meat uh, to see what it is. I think that at this point, I was not skilled enough to actually identify it. I don't know if you can, but it is yeah. not any meat that uh, that you can recognize. Yep. Yeah. Something something's going on with the meat. <laughs> uh, which you know, I was kind of mad at myself for not predicting like the the actual twist of this game. Oh yeah. Like what the thing was, yeah. Because in, in retrospect, it feels very obvious, you know. Um, this is how we find out at this scene with the strange meat that there's an argument. Um, so we kind of get the, get to look at that. We re, you know, kind of get to know the family through this, um, through uh, going through the uh, main fight, main room where there's the fight. You know, it's like oh, the the you know somebody threw a lamp uh, at somebody who left. Um, we go through uh, Sarah's studio. And we find out she's in the occult, into the occult. We find her back room where there's a ritual circle and more of her paintings uh, there. And we're just kind of getting an idea of this very unhappy family. Uh, there's going to be more to this as we as we go, but that's our initial impressions. Yeah. Um, and then as we're exploring this, we hear a noise in the hallway 
uh, we follow it up to this attic door that has been opened. Um, and the first time this happens, and this is, you know, very dark corners of the earth, but is like a trope mm-hmm. that works for me. Uh, Sarah has painted a picture of you mm-hmm. up here. Uh, really good. Like yeah. that's super spooky, you know, mm-hmm. trying to put my role playing a little bit, putting myself in that mind space. Yeah. Um, very into that. Um, it's going to keep on happening. You are yep. very important. Remember the nightmare, uh, you, you know, don't fight it. You're here. Yep. 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 Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yep, and a man kind of runs out. Like, you, you caught him up in the attic, uh, creeping around. Yep. Uh, so you have to go hang out in the attic and do some kind of light puzzling to find a secret passage. Oh, it's down in his study. Uh, doing oh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, do it, doing the right. uh, coordinates. Yeah, yeah. Go down, to, go down to Charles' study where you, you chase him, and he's disappeared. And this is where you do that light puzzling. <laughs> yeah, the, like, one of maybe three actual puzzles in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's very much like it's a very o four or five one like hey the code to the safe is written in the bathroom yeah you know the the code like I need three numbers and there's three numbers here <laughs> you know so yeah. uh, not a whole lot to it yeah but uh, I like how the majority of those puzzles do have to deal with the Scylla and the miraculous catch keeping yeah. that foregrounded as much as they do is a good choice I think Agreed. yeah the 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 coordinates on the globe are actually the place where they say the miraculous catch happened I thought that was a you know keeping that in mind as opposed to you know it was some throwaway event that you saw about a thing about in a bar you Mm -hmm. know really you know when when the miraculous catch isn't around you should be asking where is the miraculous catch so yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) we caught we caught a 400 pound poochie (laughs) off the coast of dark water (laughs) yeah it died on the way to its home planet earth yeah earth yeah dark water the um the uh, so after you you follow this puzzle, it opens up a, a bookcase secret passage, which you know the the characters even point this out as you're going down the tunnel. Uh, Bradley goes down there with you, and he's like, "This is like something from a detective novel." <laughs> like he knows how silly it is to have uh you know a a secret passage behind a bookshelf, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but uh, again, in kind of cool things that it does as you're doing, you go down and down and down and down. <laughs> like this goes really deep into the island. Uh, which is a trick no matter how many times it's done always works on me. Oh, yeah. No, uh-huh. if, if it goes into a, uh, you know, a, a subterranean city that is older than time, uh, yes. even more of that, please. Give me some rats in those walls. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, uh, um, um, takes us into chapter four. Um, where we find, you know, st- stumble upon ritual after ritual. Uh, we've got, uh, our first little stop here. It's a table. Uh, with a shrine by some, you know, uh, there's a cool mask. Uh, you can do a recreation and a scrap, a scrap of cloth um, at the door uh, caught on a nail reveals that Sarah Hawkins was like spying on the secret society meeting that was happening here uh, yeah. le- le- led by Charles um, is the implication. I love how they try to shake you off of that. Like, why would she be spying on this? Did she not know? Uh, like, it implies that she did not know what was going on underneath her house. Yeah, yeah. And and as we find out kind of later, like, I love how wrong Pierce is for so much of this. Yes. You yeah, I was going like, to point out – I was going to point out the, the, the very first recreation that you do after you get – after you, you know, events happen and you find out what happened to um, – to Charles later, it, it's very clear what was actually going on in that very first recreation that you do in the warehouse. 
And, um, you know, later on in the game, it's actually very clear who the three people are sitting at those chairs. Mm-hmm. Like when you think back on it later, I, you know, the actual recreation mechanic wasn't was starting to kind of lose its luster. But, you know, when you think back to those things that you were doing and just how stupid your <laughs> uh, or or just poorly informed you are, which, yeah. of course, but. Um, I, I thought that was yeah. really cool. It's it's kind of rare that a game sort of like uh, can give you that like retroactive aha moment, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Well, it's also it's extremely Lovecraft to have a protagonist that thinks he has dominion over this, but doesn't know shit. <laughs> you know, right. until the end, like the the idea that you're like having these aha moments, you're following the ludic language of of video games by like you know solving the puzzles. Mm-hmm. And we're not used to that being uh, betrayed, right? you know? So, like, it's uh, – but it, it happened. Like, that's what this is. Like, we have been uh, – our we're not right. Right. You know? Yeah. The most, the most any game will do with that kind of thing, like, you know, like even moving toward that kind of betrayal is a recontextualization of something that you saw. Um, you know, usually once you put, once you or the character put the pieces together, uh, that is, you know, done, you're moving on. That is a piece of truth that you're carrying forward to inform other things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it leads to the sense of him just constantly being behind the eight ball for the majority of the story. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we go deeper into the caves. Um, we find a large, uh, Cthuloid statue. Um, and a sacrificial altar kind of past uh, these cultists that we walk by, mm-hmm. right? Like that's here where they're doing the ritual with the guy? No, no that's, uh, that's, that, that's that's down the pit. Uh, first, oh, okay, we, first we have to look at another Pierce painting. Uh, oh, man, yeah. th- well, how are they finding these great angles on me? Uh, (laughs) they they logged into his forbidden facebook um and as he is freaking out why am i mr sparkle the masked man attacks and pierce um in a fit of self-preservation decides to um body slam him down in bottomless pit yeah yeah Yeah. um you you throw him on his back and he dies because you you crush him (laughs) and now we're back in the prologue yeah this is where you're at, and it introduces this mechanic that doesn't actually isn't a mechanic. <laughs> when is a mechanic not a bat mechanic, Batman? Yeah. Uh, it is uh, panic attacks. Yeah, um, where your character starts freaking out, and it says you have to get away from there as soon as possible. I don't know what happens if you don't. No, my suspicion I, I, is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't um, think I don't think that ever. You know, I I think it happens what like four or five times throughout the game. And there's no consequence. Yeah. Um, in, in another one later on in the game, I just sat there. Yeah. I thought I'd see yeah. what happened. It, yeah. it does a good job of making you feel scared, like something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like you start breathing really heavily. The music gets scary. Your heart's pumping and stuff. The screen lights like out. A, yeah. Yeah, it looks cool, but it doesn't – you know, you're not actually in any real danger. It just kind of tries to give you the feeling of it. Yeah. Like and whenever it pops up later, it's always when you're hiding from something. Yeah. Um, so like I can see that as a way to spice up um, – specifically like the monster stealth kind of stuff but um but yeah i mean here it's it's not clear like the introduction is kind of muddled too because it's not like he falls into a confined space i thought he was freaking out because you fall into like a charnel pit of half-rotted you know sea creatures that's what i would be freaking out well yeah (laughs) like ew, it got on my mouth yeah (laughs) this whole thing also i just fell in a pit yeah (laughs) like yes i cultist broke my fall but that doesn't mean that i didn't break my back you know, yeah. my back broke my fall. We've all seen that video um, of the of the backyard wrestlers jumping off the garage roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It seems like it extremely hurt. <laughs> um, 
what's cool here that you know so this is just like the dream which is great because you're having prophetic dreams and again yes. like similar to what you said earlier jack like a lot of the reveals in this game happen in retrospect it's recontextualizing inf old information mm -hmm. um when you move forward here uh cults 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 <laughs> like you know the uh, I, I, I was hoping we were going to hear cults 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 it's god i can't so believe good. gary like endorses cults I know. I can't believe he came out full swinging for Nexium. <laughs> um, the uh, the this is actually really cool because mm -hmm. I love that there's like this guy is talking about it and they're they're talking this dude into uh, this situation. Mm -hmm. Like he's on a slab. They're talking to him about like letting the you know the the presence go into him, <laughs> and then you go over past them while you're listening to the talk and you find all the cultists who just died from the fucking thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and like, God, I, I just, uh, you know, a cult just lying to its members. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what it is about this and you know, but just the idea of like, yeah, they're not actually true believers. Like they're just shits mm -hmm. and that being better to me than them being true believers sometimes, <laughs> you know, like this guy, not knowing that a good, a big consequence, maybe you knew, but like the consequence was just going to be death, mm -hmm. you know, or it could very well just be death and just going to the big pile of cultists that didn't make it. The rejects yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a really, really like deft little bit of, of storytelling style in this. No, dude, don't worry. Don't worry. We've all done this. It's going to be lit. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a totally. legend for generations, my man. Hop, yeah, hop up on that plinth. Yeah, your shoulder is going to be replaced by an octopus's face. It's going to be cool, you know. <laughs> and, and in fact, like actually, like Carl, Jack, and 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 Bethany died. Yeah. You know? didn't make it so. <laughs> um and this is the first real stealth sequence it's not that hard because everybody's focusing on on just kind of like tricking this rube into undoomed derek undoomed yeah. derek yeah. yeah um but yeah you're you're uh trying to uh sneak sneak past them as they are uh you know gaslighting this acolyte um and you go deeper and of course, Bradley sees you like, hey, Pierce, what's going on? I've got too many teeth. I hope people don't come and find us. <laughs> you know, a good dentist, Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> like, just removals for me. They grow in three a day. Um, <laughs> spoken for. <laughs> so, no, but he alerts you. Um, and this is where um, the main guy, uh, the one from our dream and the one uh, who attacked us up up there in the attic reveals himself. He pulls off his uh, his hood. Uh, it is a half transformed, half mutated Charles Hawkins, uh, yep. presumed dead. We saw his grave. Yeah, we saw his grave, and we assume that's what the uh, the fire was thrown at. Yeah, you know, uh, in the fight, so I go, that guy burned alive. Yes. Um, Bradley gets a couple shots in, but then Charles kills him. <clears throat> and uh, they he causes a cave in. He punches the wall, causes a cave in. You try to escape, but you get uh, destroyed by rocks. And here's like, you know, again, this, this story is not super ambitious, but the way that it starts messing with like what's true mm -hmm. and what's yeah. not like, you know, forcing you what question what actually happened is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, um, boy, howdy. That happens like it, it, it begins now and then it just it it's zero to 60 and then it stays at 60 for the rest of the game. Yeah. I, I thought that was that was really something. It's neat. Like it, it's something that, again, is explicitly super Lovecrafty. Without, uh, but not super video gamey. Yeah, like video no. games don't really work that way, you know. Um, because you, so at this point you wake up at chapter five. You wake up. You're strapped to a table in the Riverside Institute. We had a little bit of foreshadowing about this. Mm -hmm. uh, introduce the Doctor Fuller, who is such a transparent villain. Like, <laughs> well, he's wearing, he's wearing the round glasses. Like, yeah, like exactly. that, that is the thing. Do not put round glasses on somebody if they are not the villain. I mean, yeah. also villain accent dot waves. So. Okay. Yeah. Total <laughs> villain accent. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, he injects you with something. <laughs> like, All the time. Not, not yeah. <laughs> it's, it's his main, yeah. it's his go-to. 
yeah. he just does it as a self-soothing exercise <laughs> but yeah, yeah it is, uh, it's funny yeah he, he but he injects you and it causes a seizure um and uh you wake up weirdly enough or no no like just uh during the opening scene here bradley's there and he's alive uh dude totally died yeah we watched it so we're at this point again like is this guy in on it yeah you know like it, it that feels like the only possible conclusion mm-hmm. yeah yeah the conclusion cannot be that you cannot trust your eyes yeah yeah yep yep yeah so but then you wake up in a padded cell um, and I yeah. love this because the only real option that you have is to go to sleep. There's no, you know, lay on a bottle of ketchup or whatever. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you wake up in the cell. Uh, the only option is to go to sleep. As we mentioned, uh, you have a dream where you wander the facility and this creature called Leviathan speaks to you. Yeah. Um, again, giving these kind of foreshadowing uh, says when the last of them rises up, you will have to choose awaken and free me. So, yes. Um, so Leviathan's going to be a major fixture in this. Um, it's good. I like Leviathan. Yep. Um, we wake up and we're introduced to our second solid bro here, Dr. Marie Colden. Uh, she's mm-hmm. actually a friend of Bradley's. Uh, she opens the door to your cell and says like, Hey, um, I'm a doctor here. Uh, no, no, please don't like yell at me or try and bite me or anything. Um, I'm here to help you. You need to get out of here because I don't know what's going on. So, and she, uh, you know, so as you're leaving, uh, she says she's going to distract the guards. This doesn't go well. No. You know, so it's going to lead into the gameplay of this section. Um, on your way out, we get to find that we're introduced to this like really great side character here. Um, Sanders, uh, we've seen him taken away. We go and check out his cell. Um, he's, uh, covered it with these elder signs. And when he, when we saw him take it away, he says like, oh, if I, if I leave, they're going to find me. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. It's going to find me. Yeah. I need um, to be in this. I need to be within these wards. Yep. Uh, and we find out, uh, you know, an elder, we just, we're just throwing around elder signs. Like people automatically know what we're talking about. <laughs> it, it's like a protection glyph in the mythos. Like it is supposed to keep away some, some mythos monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Mythos, uh, we mean like big, scary, evil, call of Cthulhu shit. Uh, monsters. We mean humans. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. And, and it appeared the picture a pentagram uh, with like a little eye in the middle of it. Yeah, a little burning eye. Yeah, uh, in the center. Um, we find out the important plot thing here is that Sarah was on his uh, visitor list. Uh, so they had, uh, you know, and he wrote on the wall, the paintings are cursed. Yes. So again, giving us a little bit of the macro plot while we're dealing with this micro plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this introduces like a really wide open um, stealth area. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the main way out is guarded by, uh, some orderlies and they're pretty much posted up there. You have to find a way to get them, um, you know, to, to, to draw them away. Uh, and I, I have the way that I did it, but I want to, I want to hear how you all did it. Yeah. Uh, there's three ways to do it. Okay. Is my understanding. Um, there is, uh, there's activating a spooky machine. <laughs> there is, uh, releasing gas into the hallway yeah. And then there's something with the uh, – there's a third way that I'm trying to remember right now. Oh, uh, getting the patients to cause a distraction by uh, giving them – like fucking with their meds. Gotcha. Okay. There was one guy yeah. that I found who wanted me to bring him more sleeping pills because he hadn't slept in days or whatever it is. And he said, mm-hmm. oh, as as payment, I will raise a ruckus for you. He didn't He didn't do it. Maybe there were others that I needed to pay. I eventually um, did the spooky machine. Uh, go the, ahead. The, the, the one the – one, um, Sorry, I was going to say inmate, but the the one patient in there, um, if, if you give him the sleeping pills, he actually moves one specific orderly who's also kind of posted up, and it opens up the sections a little more mm. for uh, the rooms that you can go into, but it doesn't actually, you know, it's not the the solution to the puzzle. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Like a sub 
a sub action you can do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did the gas. Uh, the, the, uh, the machine thing, like it leads you, so you go in, there's a machine, there's three, uh, pipes, you know, that kind of go to our electricity, like wires you have to follow Mm -hmm. to hit the breakers to overload it. And I just found the, the gas easier, uh, to do, um, which involves going into like a steam room and, uh, turning some, some, finding some valve handles, turning them and, uh, and pumping it up. I couldn't find the valve handles, although I do like, you know, like, like both of those ways are, um, I mean, indicative of what's going on here. Like that isn't just like, you know, steam tunnels or whatever. No, that's like hallucinogenic gas that they are pumping in, in order to keep, well, you know, for, for, for cult reasons. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you do, Jack? Um, I also, I also released the gas, I think. The first time I played through, I believe I activated the the, the electric death machine, mm-hmm. um, and I think getting into a room or finding something might be gated behind a stat that I didn't have the oh, second time yeah. that I played it. Um, so mm. it was just easier to find the three wheels um, it, during during that gas part. That was also the second, I believe, panic attack area where you mm. can be crawling through toward one of one of the other tunnels that you need to get into to uh hit the valves and that's where i just you know straight up just sat around and (laughs) just see see what happens yeah see what happens when i panic yeah Yeah. um the machine that that that, uh that you can turn on um in order to cause a distraction is actually really cool um again things that fuller is doing uh you go in and look at it there's basically like what amounts to an electric chair that is attached to these gigantic uh jars that are full of electrodes and pieces of the strange meat um and the documents that you find basically imply he is trying to find a way to impart the properties of whatever that meat is into the patient's Yep. Um, and yep. something that we do later with, uh, with Marie, uh, uh, you know, says like, yeah, this is working. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's incredibly yeah, pretty, good. Pretty great. Yeah. Uh, for me, it great. was easy. It was easier to trace down the electric lines than to find the, uh, like maybe I, I failed the spot hidden kind of thing with, uh, with one of the, uh, um, the wheels. Yeah. With one of the valve handles. Yeah. Totally possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, it's interesting. Like it's it's cool that they give you these different ways of doing it, mm-hmm. and you know we should talk about how the stealth kind of works in this game. Yeah, this is the first time it really factors in. Yeah, um, there's not a lot to it. It it's like it's very uh, people are stupid. You know, you go through. They have very like predictable patrol routes. Um, they they will get a little warning marker above their head when they think they see you. Then they'll get another one where they're chasing you. You know, um, and then uh, that's basically it. Yep. And then when they chase you around a corner and throw yourself in a closet, <laughs> um, it's it's really pretty uh, rudimentary. Yeah. So I, I wish that there was a little bit more feedback. Um, and I wish that, you know, uh, there, there were times where I just where I walked around a corner and like, ah, you know, you're spotted. What have you? They've got the lean built into it. But, um, you know, it wasn't enough for me. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's not a lot to it. You know, what it reminds me of. Um, is like the kind of stealth, like, and actually the action sections as too, mm-hmm. uh, to remind me of like the kinds of stealth and action and like telltale adventure games. Oh yeah. You know how every once in a while there'll be something that's like very light stealth or very light action. It's kind of like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, on your way out, there's a really great scene, um, <laughs> because we just happened to go by, we have to run away from zoom guard. We had to duck into a room and this is the room where Sanders, uh, who we've been in his cell, uh, is being tortured. Basically, yeah. Um, he is uh, tied down to a to a 
chair and you go in and you're trying to be a Samaritan, like, hey, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. And you're talking in terms that don't make sense anymore. Like he's yeah. like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, you know, that's, that's not how this works. <laughs> no. Um, you know, uh, and you, you can kind of interview him a little bit. Uh, we've, like his eyes are gone. He's taken out his eyes. He looks like he's in the Black Star video. <laughs> um, he says, like, Sarah Hawkins is the reason who, like he's he's being pursued. Then he keeps saying destiny is chasing him. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, whatever uh, he was trying to keep away with the elder signs is chasing him uh, and it catches up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, not before yeah. he says something that's really, really important, saying that, hey, she wasn't performing an invocation. She was trying to perform a revocation. Yeah. That like, yeah. you know, the the ritual that you that you saw, you know, if you talk about like, hey, is, you know, I saw this ritual like, no, she was trying to get rid of this. Uh, what yeah. is this? The visitor, um, the shambler. You don't see him just yet. Uh, it picks him up, rips him off of the table, breaks his binds, throws him against the wall, and kills him. He, he straight up gets Abdul Al-Hazred. Yep. Al-Hazreded. Like, just picked up by an invisible monster and torn apart. <laughs> uh, it's really good. Like, the, the, the leg break happening very early mm -hmm. is very good. Like, fuck, man. <laughs> no good. Yeah. Um, I did not expect a dimensional shambler to show up in this. Weird monster. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, as far as monsters you actually have FaceTime with, it's the one. Mm -hmm. Like the dimensional Shambler is the monster yeah. for this game. Uh, interesting choice. Yeah. You know? Yep. But it's good. Like, they're, like there's some synergy but, you know, with that, you know, because one of the coolest thing about, uh, you know, the Call of Cthulhu story is that there's like a hierarchy of people who are susceptible. Mm -hmm. And to say like, okay, artists are, you know, some of the most susceptible artists and ar uh, architects and things like that. And to kind of cross pollinate that with uh, you know, the horror museum, um, and work in the shambler. I think that is, um, actually a really good, a uh, really good choice. Yeah. And when we see the shambler, it looks exactly as it's described. Yes. Like it's a, it's a real, it's a good shambler. <laughs> Got a good shambler going on. <laughs> good shambler going on. <laughs> um, so, uh, as you, you are attempting to leave here, uh, you know, a pipe leaks this green gas, uh, into your face, which I, you know, in, in my, me and Jack, like I, we've caused that. Like, we were expecting. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, Hoisted by uh, our own petard. Yeah. yeah like this, this uh, is causing this gas leak. Sure did make a gas leak. <laughs> um, and this caused you to pass out. Um, and then Bradley uh, picks you up and recovers you moving us into chapter six. opens up we've got a nightmare we're underwater and guess what where we are we get a good jurassic park view of an eye opening it is attached to what reads as both a squid and a whale mm -hmm. yeah it's, a, it's, it's the sequel yeah. to the squid and the whale <laughs> yep um the so. squid the squid or the whale yeah. yeah chicken or fish <laughs> no i mean you know, chicken or fish the um yeah so uh we see this and then we wake up yeah uh and we are in the hawkins mansion um, with Bradley and, you know, we can challenge him and be like, Hey man, we saw you die. <laughs> like, and he, <laughs> doesn't, is. he doesn't remember anything from the tunnels. Right. So, so, uh, and guess who also is here? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's our girl. Mm -hmm. Um, oh wait, is, is she here yet? Or do we have to go back in and get her out? 
Uh, and, maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 oh, yeah, like, that's there's, later. There's a, yeah, there's that's a couple a different time. scenes that are pretty similar. Yeah, like, that's true. You know, like, and, and I, they just kind of blend together where you're spending just time hanging out at the mansion. So this one is just Bradley, but later yeah, uh, yeah. more stuff is happening. But, yeah, so, but you're, yeah, but you're, ta- about that. you're talking about the asylum, and it's like, hey, you know, like, yeah, Sarah was experimented on there specifically because of the, the, the paintings and the visions that she saw. Um, mm-hmm. and through a little bit more talking specifically because of Fuller, uh, you basically determine everybody's family seems to go back to the Scylla. Like everybody yeah. of note on this Island, um, has a relative who is there for the miraculous catch. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and we really uh, only have one lead, which is the Sanders widow. Yep. Uh, so we know, and again, this is just call of Cthulhu, the tabletop game is hell. <laughs> like they, they would publish a module where you're supposed to make the intuitive leap that you go talk to this person's widow. Yeah. You know, that this is felt like that. Um, you know, so, uh, as, as we're kind of discussing here, uh, in the, uh, you know, between, between Colden and, uh, uh, Bradley, we're saying, Hey, when we talk to the widow, do we tell her the truth or do we, mm-hmm wait and not tell her that her husband was destroyed by a dimensional shambler. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm basically like, nobody needs to hear about the dimensional shambler. <laughs> no. you, know? Yep. <laughs> me and my, you know, I'm going to keep this between me and my shambler. Yeah. If you want to talk about yeah. the shambler, you have to bring the shambler up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the first rule the of the shambler funny, club. <laughs> the funny thing about, about that is you can, it, it seems like this big momentous choice that you make between what Bradley suggests and what Colden suggests, but you can say, I'm not going to bring up the shambler and then actually do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a lie. Yeah. Well, it's it's real funny because, I mean, they're borrowing that telltale heat where they make a, you know, an inconsequential choice feel like it has gravity by putting the text up there. So and so yeah. I remember this. This will change your destiny. Um, I, I was a little bit frustrated when I found out that, like, kind of, no, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I mean, it might have a sanity effect. Possibly. You know, usually destiny is tied to sanity in this game, and it means your right. sanity meter has changed. Yeah. You have a meter, but you have to go into a, like a sub menu to find it. Yeah. So I think, and I think that's intentional. Like that seems like a bad design thing, but I actually like it. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you know, you're meant to kind of play instinctually and then, you know, let it ride, yes. like role play it, and then just kind of deal with the consequences at the end rather than manage your sanity. Yeah. Uh, you I'm down for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, for, for me, I was like, I, I was the same as you, Gary, we don't bring up the shambler unless, you know, Mm-mm. just, we're just, we're just no. going to do it. We can't lie. No. Um, what did you do? Jack? Did you also, um, I, I, no, I, I said I wasn't going to mention it and then I did it anyway. <laughs> not, and, and, and it was, it was, it was not necessarily intentional, but, uh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> I think my shambler's cute. What? <laughs> my cute. But oops, I did it anyway. um the uh so yeah we go to the uh the sanders place yes um and we we find cat being here uh talking with irene the sanders widow Mm -hmm. um and we don't know exactly what she's doing and they're a little bit um cagey about this initially yeah like you have Mm -hmm. to kind of get it out of her but you find out what she's doing she's liquidating all this art yeah you know which is kind of an interesting you know again i didn't really put this together until the second time i played it but initially they're kind of doing something by making cat so hostile to you and beat you up in the first act and fitzroy seemed very warm is setting up this dichotomy between those two factions and mm-hmm. it's kind of supposed to be a faction system, but again, in very call of Cthulhu fashion, like we're dealing on a different scale uh, than that. Yeah. And uh cat is one of the very few people who is basically like not involved at all. No, like, no, she's, yeah, she's know. straight up the middle. Like, yeah. like what, what you right. see is what you get. She is ancillary to the, to the mythos shit that's happening. Yeah. Uh, so initially when she's talking, you're like, Oh, you know, it gives you that <laughs> feeling of paranoia. Like, 
oh, like she's talking to the Sanders widow. Maybe she's the one who instigated something. Maybe she's part of the cult. No, she's there to sell art. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's still concerned with these mortal things. But as you kind of go further down the rabbit hole, that seems less and less likely. You know, at least it did for me as the, the player, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, you know, I actually kind of kind of dug it. Yeah. Um, and we, we talked to the widow here. Yes. Um, I liked this, so I tried to hold out. I, t- I think I tested eloquence to see um, if uh, I could lie and say, no, I wasn't there. You know, just, I just I saw him before. Uh, she brings out this lie. I'm like, you know, the first thing that you learn, you know, in society, you know, when you when you come from money like I do is how to spot a diplomatic lie. Uh, please yeah. tell me the truth. <laughs> like, all right, yeah. sit down. <laughs> yeah, he was very painless. He, he died of painless. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh. Um. um. Yeah. So you, so you tell him, you don't tell her, you, you can tell her just about the shambler. You can also just say that he died, you know, he, they did horrible things to him. There's a lot of different shades of kind of, uh, non explicitness. Yes. Uh, but you can bring up the shambler. At least I did. And you know, she reacts with disgust. Um, yeah. and you can be like, okay, well what's, what's, what's the deal with that? Like, Oh, he was obsessed with the damn thing. The shambler's a painting. It's like yeah. the, 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 the keystone piece in Sanders's collection. Um, in fact, earlier when we were going through um, Sarah Hawkins's stuff, we found a ledger of transactions, and there was one like very very notable transaction where it was a gift, uh, mm. and it was to Sanders. Uh, Sarah just wanted to get rid of it because she knew it was bad news, so she foisted it off. She foisted it off on this friend. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Here, here's a bomb. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's ticking. Uh, and then you you go you ask go see it you go see this uh, this gallery and I love this gallery mm-hmm. um, you know just full of macabre art and stuff like again house goals macabre right macabre macabre uh, <laughs> uh, macabre art uh, very you know very cool looking uh, and then you walk up to the shambler and here is our boss fight yep, uh, yep. in this game um, <laughs> the shutters close the lamps go out and then something rips its way out of the painting. <laughs> Um, I, I, I desperately really want to like this. I got really annoyed, uh, doing it. This took me a yeah. lot of tries. It's a little arbitrary. A little bit. Yeah. Like it's, it's, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredibly cool idea. But, yeah. No. Well, it's, it's, so it's, it's very video game dot text, like what you have to do. Right. The frustrating thing to me. So what basically what this does, is it starts a stealth boss fight where the shambler is stalking around. It looks like a distortion in the air. It's really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't become a monster until it's going to find you. You have to actually attack the painting with a ritualistic dagger and you have to find uh, the correct ritualistic dagger. Yeah. Uh, you identify it like you have to walk up to the painting. There's a scrap of paper on the floor. You look at it and uh, you have to. Um, you know, memorize what it looks like and then go check all these different um, cases. And of course, everything is dark. So you have to light up your lantern and take a look and this exposes you. Yeah. Um, you, you are able to kind of walk around the gallery first. Um, I actually on on this playthrough, because I had played it before, I didn't I, I don't think I ever found the scrap of paper. Hmm. So I didn't know mm-hmm. what it looked like. Um but the way that I identified which dagger it was is it was sitting in a case next to a mask that looked very much like the mask that you find in the Hawkins mansion oh. um, down at that table. Um, and that's how I sort of identified which one it probably was like that. You know, there was still a good amount of trial and error, but, um, you know, figuring out based on because I, I he's really into knives, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His gallery is 90 percent. There's a dis- uh, yeah. disproportionate number of knives in cases in that place. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How many how many ritualistic magic knives do you need? Like, quite honestly, <laughs> one. It's more. like the scene in in John Wick three. <laughs> like, I want to see that scene in John Wick three, but in this gallery. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, I I didn't. Uh, neither time did I find the scrap of paper. Oh, uh, the the second time it was something closer to what Jack uh, talked about. The first time it was through trial and error. Uh, and that was the most frustrated I got was the first time. Yeah, yeah. Was when it was yep. just like try a knives, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um, the uh, the nice thing, I mean, the uh, it's not actually that hard as like a, a stealth thing because it's basically a circle. Yeah. And there's load bearing closets uh, in every corner that you can like not load bearing, but like very intentional closets you can jump into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the shambler will come sniff, but he he leaves. The shambler uh, for something without eyes, it's very vision focused. Yes. Um, so this didn't really, this took me a few, like many tries the first time, uh, and not so many tries the second time. And I don't think it's great. The thing, the reason why I want to give it any credit at all is because I think it's one of the few times in the game it actually gets kind of scary. Yeah. Like the times yes. I was in the closet, like waiting and watching the shambler sniff at the door and not knowing if it'll open the door gives you amnesia vibes. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that has happened so many times in video games that like, it's a cliche. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for it. When, when the shambler picks you up and, you know, is menacing you before he, you know, decides to, you know, break your back or chomp down on you or whatever, that is some of the best animation and modeling that happens in the game. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of loving detail and attention, um, paid to making that, um, incredibly grisly, which is good. Especially the mouth. Yes. <laughs> the, the, well, just the, the xenomorph multi-layered mouth action that's going on. Very There's lamprey. also multiple ways he can kill you. Oh yeah. It's not the same animation every time, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> a couple of times I got into the closet just a little bit too late. Um, and mm-hmm. it's real fun when he, uh, bursts you out of there as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, in general, like it's a mixed, mixed sequence, but I, I think I am really glad that it's in the game just for giving it a little bit of spice. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you stab the painting, uh, this sucks the shambler back into it. Uh, it grabs you. It almost drags you in, um, but the uh, into the painting, which kind of fucks you up a little bit, fucks yeah. up your hand. Um, you're about to cut your hand off to not go into the painting, and then Cat steps in and stops you, and she didn't see anything. She's like, I just stopped you from cutting off your own hand, you fucking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which, which is, again, like, how much of this is real, right? Mm-hmm. It's definitely real. Like, it kills you, but also it's kind of not. And that that is, like, this weird space the game plays in a lot. Yeah. Love it. Um, but she she really, like, shrugs it off, kind of, and just engages you in a little bit of a conversation. Uh, and is super helpful, too. Because, you know, she notices, like, hey, you're, you're, you're messing with some of the merchandise. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to need that because, you know, mama's got to get her commission, got to sell that bad boy. Um, and when you say, no, that's, that's not going to be the case. Yeah. Um, she says, all right, well, there's this nerd that I know named Algernon Drake. Um, you know, somebody who, uh, whose name is 100%, um, uh, about as Lovecraft Call of Cthulhu, uh, character as it could be. Sure. Algernon yeah. Blackwood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first name comes from that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's incredibly Algernon Drake. Um, it's just very, uh, very appropriate. But like, yeah, go go to this nerd that I have. He may be able to tell you more about where that knife came from. Yeah. Uh, so we go to a, like a, a sequence I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter seven, which takes entire is entirely within the nameless bookstore, mm-hmm. uh, which is that nerd we saw in the bar, um, <laughs> who was Algernon. We get to kind of dig through uh, his stuff and find clues and just kind of do kind of puzzles and read forbidden looks of books of lore. Mm-hmm. For a while, like this is very Call of Cthulhu tabletop game. Yeah. 
um, way into it. So you can do some reconstructions here, but everything is going to lead you back to the back room where there is a safe. Um, there's a wall safe and you can get a reconstruction that shows Charles being blasted away by an elder sign that was put on here. This is an elder sign that Sarah put up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so our goal is whatever is inside that safe. Um, and I'll just put it out here. It's the Necronomicon, you know, when there's a safe with an, with an elder sign on it in a bookstore, Necronomicon time, baby. Yeah. And then there's Uh, stitching on the front cover. mm -hmm. (laughs) Jeez. Book of Ibon again. (laughs) No. Yeah. The, um, I'm tired yeah, of getting the panotic manuscripts. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the Nicotic manuscripts. Oh, geez, the, the Altdown shards. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, it, it's a. I think that because of this as being a greatest hits of Lovecraft stuff, it had to be the Necronomicon. Oh, of course, yeah. You absolutely. know, for this, like, it's like what what are their choices there? Oh, at this, the, at, um, at this point, I, I I could not. I didn't have any heart to roll my eyes. I was along for the ride. Oh, I was yeah. like, give it yeah. to me. Yeah. Exactly. I, I want all these greatest hits. Um, the uh, And then we're kind of introduced to Drake, like Algernon, uh, through this. And he's really interesting because he is a Call of Cthulhu character. Yeah. <laughs> like, very much so. Like, he is a character from the tabletop game who is just like, yeah, I've been pushing my sanity and my mythos score is like 20. <laughs> I'm fucking incredible, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's not the D20 version. That's in the seventh uh, edition rules where, you know, uh, it's, it's, he's, he's, you know, so he's talking about uh, the contents of his, his safe being hidden. He's saying, you know, you only have the right to see what that is if you are smart enough to solve my riddles. Um, and if you do, please just deliver this to, to Professor Armitage at Arkham, right. which is very explicitly, mm-hmm. you know, which means that like in this world, Pikmin exists. Yep. You know, all that stuff like this yep. is actually just, you know, yeah. uh, part of the the mythos like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love how arrogant he is about these puzzles when, when yeah. reality is just like count things. Yeah. Nope. They're, they're, they're pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, you know, like, like the, like there is, if, if they were genius level puzzles, that would be very frustrating. This just makes you feel like you are getting one over about a character who you are informed is very smart. So yeah. it matches perfectly here. So like, I really like, you know, going and counting the gems. I like, um, the little leap of intuition that you have to do like, okay, count the white piece on the chessboard. Well, no, that's not the prompt. You need to count the pieces yeah. that are guarding the queen. So it's the yeah. white pieces minus minus one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then of course, like the scholastic book fair editions of the uh, forbidden <laughs> knowledge, the Arkham yeah. collection. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Like, I, I've read all nine of them. This is the Azathoth one. Yeah, the kids are going to have to learn about Azathoth, Azathoth sometime. <laughs> yeah, getting Azathoth at the bookmobile. You know? <laughs> Extremely, you know. Kids are going to have to learn about the Azathoth War someday. Uh, yeah, the Tekka Lili Wars. <laughs> there's, there's something there. Tekka yeah. Lili. Tekka Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something there. Um, so, pretty pretty fun, though. And then you, once you get in the safe, uh, we get the Necronomicon. And when you open it, uh, you have a hallucination. You have a sanity effect mm-hmm. um, of everything kind of floating around you. The walls turning insubstantial. Uh, cool visual effect. Yeah. 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 And this takes us into chapter eight as Pierce's consciousness leaves his body um, and goes into that of Marie Colden, Dr. Colden. This chapter is amazing. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. 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 This is this is really good. <laughs> um, and it's interesting that they they found a way for you to get out of Pierce's skin mm-hmm. for this, which I really appreciate, you know, like just playing as some different characters, kind of seeing other sides of the story without breaking the perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think it is a good move. Yeah. Yeah. Way into it. Um, 
so it starts, you are examining this patient um, and kind of in the background there, you can see Dr. Fuller talking with Captain Fitzroy. He's, you know, way too busy doing that to actually, you know, attend to the patient. So like, hey, take a look, um, help the nurse figure out what to do. Um, and so you take a look at this guy and you do a couple of different medicine checks. Uh, all the details point to he turning into a squid. Yeah. Um, yeah. this is incredibly good body horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super good body horror. Um, it's using the medical jargon in a way that doesn't, uh, insult like the, the player's intelligence really, Yeah, yeah. you know, like it actually uses, you know, terms that you don't know and doesn't characters don't just stand around explaining things that they would already know. <laughs> right. To each other, you know, like you just use the words because you're a medical professional. Like this is a well-observed little bit of, of dialogue mm-hmm. and such. So, and, and and the dialogue needs to be really expressive like that. I think partially because of the budget graphics that might have been going on because mm-hmm. they, 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 all of the medical terms are very well received. But the uh, the model of the patient that you're looking down on, you can't see any of these things going on. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's real theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I mean, like the, the, the two details that really stick out is that, you know, specifically on his, um, so, so his bones are soft, um, softer than, a, than a newborns, uh, mm-hmm. and along his limbs, uh, he is getting these, um, rings that are both kind of cartilaginous and sticky. Yeah. Uh, so that combined is, you know, the, 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 the one part of this, the second is he is incredibly dehydrated no matter how they try and rehydrate him IV or, you know, just by feeding him a bunch of water, uh, that doesn't work. However, when they gave him a bath that fixed him like, Oh, it's yeah. almost like he's absorbing it through his skin. Really awesome. I love it so That's much. Super scary. And he's, he's clearly there. He's like alive. Right? Yeah. You're not doing an autopsy. He's just going through it. <laughs> you know at this time yeah he, he's like 20 percent um, through this transformation it's amazing yeah super good um so then you get to kind of explore um and we're learning a little bit about the the health of the island uh here you know most of the island is suffering from insomnia nightmares so there's a shortage of sleeping pills we found sleeping pills in next to everyone's bed so far yes uh pierce even comments on it earlier mm-hmm. um and as we're trying to kind of uh you know, explore. We're trying to get into Doctor Fuller's office, but we can't because of the cartoonishly evil Nurse Donovan, <laughs> uh, which I think is a, a pretty broad uh, character for this game. Um, and this is a, kind of a flashback to the other asylum thing. There are multiple ways to distract her. Yeah, um, you have to figure out a way to uh, to, to piss her off. Yeah, what'd you do, Jack? Uh I actually didn't know there was a way other than than turning the water off. No, oh. the I think you can do it through a patient. I think I maybe the thing I said earlier. When I talked about the patients opening up the door, I think oh. maybe there's a way you can do it here. Um, oh. And this is something I read. I also turned off the the bo- water in the boiler, mm-hmm. but I read that there were multiple ways to do this. But again, like mm-hmm. the text on this in on this game is pretty under baked, so yeah, I can't necessarily. I didn't do it. I can't stand by 100. percent No, but. I wanted to find a way because turning off the boiler uh, necessarily uh, gets a nurse in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was really funny because I talked with the with the nurse and and one of the things is it it bravery or courage or whatever whatever it is to deal with yeah. nurse donovan and then oh I, to distract her i'm going to do this exact thing that's going to screw over this poor nurse that i was just commiserating yeah. with yeah. oh yeah um so. once you uh get out once you turn off the water this uh, distracts uh evil nurse donovan so you can get in um there's a little puzzle with the uh the, the scylla mass these masts of the ship yeah. that you flip around uh, in order to get in this compartment with patient records and then you get to listen to uh fuller's uh sessions with sarah hawkins his mm-hmm. psychoanalysis sessions 
Um, and we are, we're learning that Fitzroy, this is when Fitzroy steps in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spoiler, there's, there's like a three, there's three principal villains in this game. Yes. It's Fuller, uh, Hawkins and, and Fitzroy. Um, and this is, uh, when he, he gets kind of pulled into things and these are really creepy. Like I'm, I'm always down for the session nine mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so we, after we're hearing this, it's like, we have to go, you know, help Sarah. We have to go check out, check out what's going on. Yeah. We go downstairs. She's being kept downstairs near the morgue. And when we go there, Fuller does his Fuller's underscore trick, mm-hmm. which is to, uh, to inject you with a substance. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ending the chapter and evicting you from her head, taking you to chapter nine. Yeah. Uh, where uh, Drake is here and he's mad that you are in his recently ransacked shop. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he, he knows he's looked through the Necronomicon. He's an old, you know, he's like, what did the Necron- Necronomicon show you? Um, and he says like, actually, you know, go save Dr. Cold and I can actually help you with this. I don't know if you listen to my audio diaries, but I'm extremely good at the occult. Uh, really good at it. I'm the man you need me. Uh, so, you know, this guy's going to become a factor later. And again, a thing I love is he is not key to the good ending of this. No, um, no. you know, yeah, he is, <laughs> I fell for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 again, it's playing with your video game uh-huh. stuff, you know, in a way that is like, a weird like the more i talk about it the cooler it seems to me like mm-hmm. in, as an experience i still feel like this is basically a b mm-hmm. you know like when you're in it but it is doing some neater things that i don't think it got credit for yeah uh and that's definitely one of them yeah it, de- it definitely uh, blooms in the you know in the discussion afterwards yeah 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 um so yeah so you go to the riverside institute <laughs> um and you start out in dr fuller's office and you get your uh one, one, you know not not your first uh, inkling that this might be happening, but uh, it's a bit of an echo of Fitzroy seeing the photo of his dad who looks exactly like him. No, there's mm-hmm. a photo of the Scylla here um, from mm-hmm. 1849, a good 70 years before this takes place. Um, and Fuller looks exactly the same. Yeah. Yep. Which, of course, to me, I'm like, oh, the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Yeah. Right. Um, not yeah. actually what is happening, but that yeah. was what the earlier photo did for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when you try to go into the basement, uh, something changes you and you slip into this alternate reality. Uh, and this, this sequence I think is the worst sequence in the game. It's not good uh, to me. It, this lasts mm. a million years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is way too long. It's not that interesting. This feels like really explicit padding to me. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't like this. Um, so it's hard to kind of describe it takes a lot longer than we're going to take yeah. to describe it. Basically, um, you have a lantern um, that is slowly running out of oil. There is a lantern mechanic in the game generally um, that runs out of oil, but it's never a thing up until now. Right. Um, you uh, have to make your way to these different uh, kind of portals and shine your light on them following these trails that are in the air. But the trails go as the bird flies. So they go, they're intangible. They go through things. Yeah. So you have to kind of navigate this, uh, this dream version of the asylum, finding the end point of these trails while not being able to follow the trail directly. Like it doesn't have to use hallways and doors and stuff. Yeah. That's the puzzle. Uh, you do it a million goddamn times. <laughs> and, if you if your lantern runs out before you get to it, the shambler gets you. Yeah. And you just have to it just goes on forever. Like it is, you know, and I say, you know, it's probably 20 minutes. Yeah. But there's no there's no like text you're getting. You're not getting the plot advanced or anything like that. Like it's yeah. just this not very interesting game you're playing for 20 minutes in the middle of this much more interesting game. Um, it's very lame. I'm really happy that neither of you like this. So I didn't have to put up with hearing a spirited defense of it. <laughs> no, the, the most the most I could offer in defense is that 
it it's interesting that it kind of plays with the fact that you have knowledge of the architecture and geography of this floor of uh, of the hospital uh and then subverts that blah 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 but that that that's not anything <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, like like it, it would be cool if it was like one third as long but yeah you know, i agree it's just a it's just a way to make you know to make old geometry look new again by putting it in, in literally different light yeah no not uh, uh, bummer. not the best eventually things get back to normal after you've done this enough times yes um and you can actually make your way into the basement it makes me it also makes me think that maybe this is like a trap that fuller set to send you into this alternate realm or something oh you got mazed yeah yeah you got mazed like maybe that's that's the other thing as far as like what's actually happening here because otherwise it's just like insane waney you know and and i i think that it sounds cooler if it's something fuller did but i don't actually know yeah you know i I, I do have i do have another another very weak defense of this section is uh the like pink lantern was a was a refreshing change of pace on the color palette of this game (laughs) (laughs) how 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 limp of a defense can we offer everyone offer your limpest defense i'm trying to i'm trying to lower that bar some of those some of those glyphs were cool glyphs like i don't know i i I would dig get like a vinyl uh, a vinyl stick on of one of those yeah (laughs) Yeah, the horror in the museum is a good uh, Lovecraft story to read the Wikipedia of and never actually read. I can say that about the sequence. So the uh, like, it's like a reverse limbo. Like, how low can the bar get? How low can we get? Um, eventually, yeah. you get into the basement, and then it gets cool again. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, because you know you're you are just in this haunted house sanity effect kind of thing because you know the basement is a hallway that never seems to end. You just keep on going. Uh, until finally you see one door with the the cell window open up you go put your face up to it you look and you see yourself inside when you pull away from the window oh shit you're in the cell yeah and the walls start closing uh, in god i love that i love i love that they actually took and did something with the claustrophobia and made it hallucination yeah and and you know you you switch places like you are the different person reflection which is great Mm um eventually you know you're in the hallway again you continue you find uh, fuller who's standing over colden's dead body uh and he is again villain voice evil doctor you know <laughs> you, you should envy her you know um you fight him you throw him to the ground but before you can you can kill him colden knocks you out yeah uh, she has been resurrected um and then when you wake up she's back on the table dead yeah and it is left i mean like her her fate ultimately is really ambiguous at yeah. least at least it was to me you know, and yeah. because you know, they like what Fuller is doing, and you know, kind of, kind of his ultimate goal is to find a way to subvert mortality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's been experimenting specifically on her, um, and that leads leads to a little bit of ambiguity. But I like how they how they work that in uh, to kind of the uh, the ending, or you know, the the end sequence as well with Golden coming back and Jack Pierce being like, "Okay, no, you're you're not real. You're dead. Yeah. Maybe I don't know." Yeah, your mind kind of talks you out of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I love this. You pass another painting of yourself and you find Sarah Hawkins alive in a cell surrounded by buckets. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's a good about, detail. Uh, the first assumption, detail, yeah. not good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I uh, show you this strange color, this like the oldest green. Mm-hmm. She's found green is like the art color uh in this uh this game um and just like her being alive is a huge game changer right because yes. you were sent to investigate her death right like we're we're so far from our initial 
kind of thoughts of this. Yeah. You know, what we're doing. Um, and when you talk to her, uh, this is one of my favorite tricks that the game does <laughs> is depending on how sane you are, you, if you have a low level, you get, uh, responses that are in, uh, uh, Aklo. Yeah. Relay. The, the language. Yeah. Of, yeah. Relay. Um, the, the language of Relay. Uh, and that is when you can relate to people who are insane. I don't know that this is the first time it happens. I think that my mm-hmm. sanity level might have been lower. Mm-hmm. I feel I like you it might is be the able... first time that happens. Is it? I, I yeah, thought I think, that I, I think say it, it when talking about the Shambler painting mm. to the widow. There was a, a oh, relay huh. in off option. Yeah. Um, mm. If you if you do all the like blast my sanity, daddy, <laughs> like, so, 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 please blast me in the sanity. Uh, yeah. Grims. But you say like I, I've seen that color, like I know that color too. I can yeah. relate to you. The, perfor- the, the thing, good. Like, or is, the, the interesting thing about this is you don't know what you're going to say before you do it. Nope. It's in this language you can't read. The series of glyphs, the same glyphs that were written on the statue in the first town, mm-hmm. uh, you've seen elsewhere. But you don't know what the option's going to be yeah. before you choose it. Um, and the line, it's you know, it's not delivered in relay, and you know, it's it's not strange, um, you know, strange syllables. Um, it is just delivered with this great performance, like very conspiratorial. Like he just says, "Oh, I've, the oldest green, I've seen that same green." Yeah, you know? <laughs> like it's a very good performance. Um, and from this point forward, I'm pretty much always picking these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, I, I lean into anything in, insane. Yes. Like in these games I mentioned, of course, I need to run the veil of reality <laughs> as much as I possibly can, even though it ensures you not get a good ending for this game. Yeah. Um, so you escape uh, the guards. You sabotage the machine to, that disperses the gas so it can stop. She's like, I'm not going to leave. You know, these people are being tortured, you know, basically by this gas. Like, we have to do this. Um, and when you do this, uh, Charles Hawkins pops up and attacks in a like what looks like a boss encounter from a Resident Evil game. Yeah. Like this, you know, you're in it. You're in a uh, a room with a, a, a furnace in it. And I was like, oh, I have to knock the nemesis into the furnace three times. Like, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what this is going to be. Uh, it's not. It's it's basically still like an interactive cutscene. You know. Yeah. Um. You uh. He holds you up against the wall and talks to you, and you have a series of conversation checks. Um. And we find out that Charles is not as two dimensional a character as we thought either. Um, he says, you know, I do the, these things I did, you know, I actually did it to protect her from the cult and you can challenge him on this. Like, Hey, Fuller was doing experiments on her. You fucking idiot. Yeah. Like this is horrible. You know, it's your wife. And he's like, yeah, but she needs to be put away. She is actually a lot more dangerous than I am, mm-hmm. which is again, one of these like neat subversions of the game because yeah. he's not wrong. No, he's like, telling, he's telling you the truth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like his attitude toward his wife is not great, but like it ends up being, you know, the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, as he is delivering this particular truth, uh, Sarah stabs him through the throat from the back with a fire poker, mm-hmm. you know, and then Pierce axes him in the back, taking that piece off the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the, uh, the graveyard. We've, we've gone back with Sarah that's been implied and she is mourning her son. Um, and you know, it says, I'll do anything to get him back. And like, that's never good. Yeah. Anything. Uh, <laughs> she, she underlines uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, never good. <laughs> uh, we flash back to the fight that started the fire. Yes. Um, you know, where, uh, you know, Charles, who's this pre mutation is choking her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she whamps him with the lamp kind of smacks him, sending him running away. And the caretaker is the one who saved her. So we kind of find out how she survived. Yes. That night. Yeah. And you know, this, it's implied that the scarring from the fire, you know, by where the lamp oil hit him, that's where he started mutating. So like, you know, the side of his face and his left arm, et cetera. Um, uh, were either of you thrown off by how similar Charles and Pierce's appearances were? 
not not really. Yeah, okay. But but both of them were tall, tall, dark haired dudes with black beards. Yeah. Yeah. It, I wouldn't have done it like the same way you don't put two characters with the same name. Right. In a right. story like I would have given me, you know, yeah. but it also would have been real weird if like you don't have like a blonde person, <laughs> you know, like that's weird. We, we yeah. talked about that before. Yeah. Like, you know, there's not, there's not blonde people. No. So I, you know, it's basically black or brown or what you have in terms of hair and right. then the occasional redhead if you want to like say something about the character. <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> basically what you have. So. <laughs> you know, it just they were normal flavored. I would have not given him a beard. Yeah, yeah. You know, that would have been the way to do it. <laughs> Scarves, eye, eye patch. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Tentacles. Tentacle yeah. eye. <laughs> so, uh, the next morning, Algernon comes by. You know, we've been assembling the crew. Uh, Sarah is not going to leave the island until she banishes the Shambler. Uh, even knowing that, like, hey, the stuff that is in process here, specifically going down that road, uh, could fuck everybody. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you go to her studio and we kind of get we, we do a reconstruction there where, and we see this like failed ritual uh, where she was trying to banish the Shambler, trying to do the revocation. But Charles interrupted her. Right. Yeah. So Drake, he's got a, uh, a plan. He wants to find a more permanent way to banish the Shambler. He knows that Charles has this artifact called the key, the key to Relier. Um, uh, but the only clue is this drawing of a bust that he bought around the same time. Uh, so you do a little scavenger hunt uh, for head head sculptures once and then <laughs> yep. twice. Real easy. It's 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 you know it's really easy to find. Once you have that, you have the key to Relier, which is actually an amulet. Mm-hmm. You get this, and Chief Sullivan shows up. Uh, you know the non Bradley cop mm-hmm. who uh, you know is uh, shitty, you know, and in league with the cult, right? right? Like a, a rank and file cult member. Um, and you're being framed, like you're being locked away, uh, framed for burning down the asylum. Um, you try to fight back. People try to su- support you, but it doesn't work, and you get arrested. Moving us on to chapter ten, um, where you are locked in a jail. Uh, Sullivan kind of taunts you a little bit, and he's he's being real hard on it. Like, hey, give me an excuse. Mm-hmm. You know, I will shoot you in the goddamn head. Uh, and he he leaves at this point, and then you're basically rescued by your benefactor, uh, the Leviathan. Oh, the combine. Yeah, the uh, yes, yeah. our benefactors. Yes, uh, no, yeah. So Leviathan, um, you know, just kind of gives you this hallucination. You know, the jail fills entirely with water, um, and he says, you know, I am not called a Leviathan because of the immensity of my size, but by the immensity of my knowledge. Uh, your mind, Pierce's mind, is expanding, and the Oracle is guiding your dreams. Is this the first time we've heard of the Oracle? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, you cannot speak. Um, and at the moment, you know, at the time where you get a prompt, um, oh, wait, is, is, is this the point? No, that may, that, that might be just a little bit later. Um, yeah. yeah, all you have to do is submit like you just, you can struggle, but it doesn't advance anything. Like Leviathan has you under his thumb and you have to mm-hmm. accept the knowledge about where the Oracle is. Yeah. Uh, so he puts it in your brain, which is not good for your brain. No, nope. like big mandatory sanity <laughs> hit here. <laughs> Um, and then we switch over. We take another, you know, this is you uh, switching over to another set of people. I switch over to Sarah and uh, Algernon uh, walking into, the, into a bootlegger's cavern. Um, and this is kind of the second boss fight mm-hmm. uh, in the game, sort of, yeah. um, where the Shambler wakes up. Um, Kat has locked you in here because this is her bootlegger's cavern and she mm-hmm. doesn't believe in any of this mythos nonsense. So you have to, this is kind of like a boss fight that is based around understanding the space yeah. and kind of knowing the most efficient way to get between two points. Mm-hmm. I think this is mechanically stronger than the first 
Chandler uh, encounter, but I like the flavor a little bit less. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's like a little something about just like shining the light in its eyes, studying it that I don't really dig, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's, it's cool to get a little bit more of a, uh, view of the shambler. Um, mm-hmm. and I love how, I mean, it's scripted, like where he pops out, but you know, just right. watching him crawl out of the, uh, crawl out of the walls as he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so Algernon is standing in the middle of this room, kind of in this, uh, on this little, uh, platform and you have to, in order to, um, uh, you know, send the, send the Shampler back into the painting, you have to go around and, uh, dispel these three glyphs that, uh, the Shampler is kind of holding on to. You do, you know, once those are done, he can, you know, banish it back into the painting, but you know, you expose yourself by being outside of his little ring of protection. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you have to rush back to it. Yeah, you know, uh, you can you can blind the the sampler temporarily, temporarily, but all of a sudden your like lantern is using double oil now. <laughs> like when running out of oil was barely a concern, other than one other part of the game. Yeah. Now it's just like leaking. Yeah, and it's weird that you can just supercharge your lantern. Um, like this is <laughs> Alan Wake somehow. It's very Alan Wake, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's very very flashlight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how did this fight land for you, Jack? Uh, you know, I think I, I side with you guys on, on or, or Gary in particular about the mechanics of it were were good, I thought, and strong. And you know, the the theming of a of a of a puzzle being more about how well do I know this space, how well can I study it, and see how I'm going to navigate back to the you know the warding circle or whatever um, was good mechanically, but I thought the flavor was exceedingly weak. Um, I, I did not like it really at all. No, yeah. it's, it's kind of, you, you have this kind of feeling of this game with this and then the shooting segment that's coming up where it wants to tell the story and do the neat narrative things it wants to do. But there are these last gasps of gameplay mm-hmm. that are happening where it kind of won't fully commit to just being a story that it wants to tell. Yeah. You know, and, and I, in some ways I respect that, but I think it is this weird curse of being kind of half-assed where like, instead of being a cool mode of interactivity, like it was earlier on where you're kind of solving these puzzles and there are multiple ways to do it. It's these kind of weak sauce, you know, and again, like I like this one more than, but I, you know, I don't think any of us are going to go to bat for that shooting segment, even though I thought it was too easy and, (laughs) and it was frustrating to other people, but nobody's going to think that's good. Right. You know, it feels like they're kind of leaning into some like just straight up, not good segments. Mm-hmm. I was going. Yeah, so. I, I went and did some uh, kind of research about this, you know, especially about the endings. They referred to the to the fact that um, Drake might not be there at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And I read like, oh, you can you can let him die here. Like you can fail this, and he is overtaken. Um, and I was yeah. not aware that that was a possibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah that what all depends it? on whether you you know Alan wake the monster as it's being dragged back into the painting. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and also, like, again, that is a cool little thing because it goes against your, your gamer DNA, which is to save him no matter what. Right. You know, but, you know, you think you want to save him. Of course, the good ending is I have as many people, you know, with me as possible. I'm going to need this occult expert with me. No, you don't. No. You know, like, he does not, <laughs> like, we, you know, again, like, probably the most, like, Lovecraftian, the way this is a really good adaptation is that you don't have power over this. No. You know, not in the ways you think you do. And the, mm-hmm. the things that kind of trick you into thinking you have power all lies like yeah. basically from the beginning of the game to the end yeah um and specifically by siding with somebody like drake who has all this knowledge it means you are implicitly playing by the rules totally. of the cult i was just gonna say that like <laughs> yeah. you're choosing to play the game and yeah. 
the only winning move is not to play. Like right. there's not a way to win that game. That's the nature of the game. Right. You know, and, uh, and per per all Lovecraft work, knowledge is never going to give you agency. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, knowledge is to be avoided. It's not, you know, it's not something that's good. Uh, uh, noted anti-intellectual <laughs> Lovecraft. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so after you get through this, you, you shove the Shambler back into the painting. Yeah. Uh, but Sarah goes with. Yeah, she is. Uh, she is compelled. She has heard a voice calling uh, to her from the other side. Um, Sarah's kind of like agency and role in this um, is kind of confusing to me because here it's, per- it's portrayed as if there is an outside influence that is dragging her against her will. Um, but like th- things that we discover later is like she is a mastermind behind all of it. Um, I'm confused. I don't know if I, I think of it so much as a mastermind as she has always been kind of dragged against her her will or kind of mm. being manipulated yeah you know she's the oracle right yeah. like she's you know mm-hmm. she's getting these visions and stuff she is long insane yeah yeah uh, just, and, just like you are the truth seeker yeah yeah like she has you know it goes there you know the gatekeeper on the key master like she has a role to play yeah uh and it's just been she's been playing it for longer than you think yeah uh and longer than anyone else thinks either you know obviously longer than her father thought mm-hmm. like uh you know hiring you to do this but also longer than the the uh groundskeeper or bradley or anyone who is kind of treating this like it's small ball Mm -hmm. you know and that kind of plays into the fact that like no this is actually like way bigger you are way out of your league you are insignificant in comparison to this yeah and kind of ascribing those kind of altruistic you know things to her like maybe she had a moment of clarity but she also just had the thing in the graveyard where she's like i'm gonna bring back my kid by any means necessary oh yeah you know (laughs) like she's you know she's not good uh it's just you know we have gamer assumptions that she will be yeah yeah. You know, it's kind of an interesting because she doesn't have a lot of agency, which makes me think of this, you know, how this might land from like a feminist perspective. But part of it is it's kind of being subversive with our expectations. Like, oh, she's been damseled. Like we rescued her from a dungeon. Yeah. You know, she is automatically a victim. Mm-hmm. Like we kind of ascribe that lack of agency to her as an assumption that the player makes that is not mm-hmm. really supported. Yeah. You know. It's an interesting way to treat it. I'm not saying that they totally nail that, Mm -hmm. uh, but it is – I think that's what – that's the charitable read, I guess. Yeah. It's some interesting English on the ball. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can see that. Um, So this takes us into Chapter 11. You're back in your cell. You know, this was all a vision that you got. Uh, The police are called away, and you are left alone in the cell. Uh, Some bad stuff is happening. Uh, it's pretty pretty rough out there. Uh, there's like a mutant a mutiny down at Fitzroy's um, and and uh, in the in the bar. Uh, and your only your only option is to go to sleep. And of course, you dream of Leviathan. Um, and he actually approaches you. He has like a um, you know like a like a physical manifestation as a translucent man with no face. Uh, he just walks up and says, "Hey, are you ready to see the world as it really is?" Uh, instead of being an actual option, uh, this is an amazing image where you've got a full conversation wheel, but every <laughs> single every single choice yeah. you can make is is yes. is in Aklo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, this this is the other real trick mm-hmm. I love, other than the one that's coming later, like to like oh fucking with his interface and saying you know underlying that you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was you know when this popped up, you know jaw dropping moment. Uh, I took a <laughs> screenshot of it. It was my desktop. Nice. For like a while when I was playing this. Uh, I love it. Yeah. 
So uh, this gets you out of your cell and you can pass by and you get some, you know, exposition from, you know, uh, the other characters uh, who are in the cell. So like Kat is, you know, talking to you saying, hey, nobody will be safe until you're dead. Uh, Bradley's been having these nightmares. He's been talking about them, you know, for a while. Uh, You actually saw him back at the when you were playing as Marie, he was there for a prescription. Uh, for those sleeping pills. So he is falling to the, uh, to the influence of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And he has, you know, basically no resistance left. And of course, yeah. Sarah does not know if you are her damnation or salvation. Yeah. No, what, what, what she wants. Yes. You know, um, you eventually, you go through the, uh, detective office door and you pass into cat's mind mm-hmm. here again. You're still under the influence of the Leviathan. So you're seeing these different perspectives. This is a little miniature cat chapter. Yeah. Not a whole lot to this. No, this is this is where the shooting is introduced. You know, yeah. like uh, so somebody shot one of the, t- the the detectives and left the body hanging in the gang's workshop. So, well, shit, we need to figure out who framed us because you know, you know which which one of you idiots would have done this. Yeah. Um, and when you go in and look, you, you know, it reveals, hey, Fitzroy was commanding these murderers, uh, these mutated cultists who were coming in. Yep. Uh, and then, like, the whole town is full of zombie sailors <laughs> um, who kind of slowly walk towards you and you shoot them. Uh, it's real bad. Yeah. Uh, to get there. Bad. You have limited ammo. Like, it's, it, yeah, it's really bad and it's really dumb. And it's kind of like a plot like that. We, t- we heard about the bad thing happening down at the docks, mm-hmm. you know, so that was a plot thing that was necessary. Seeing it is not really necessary and getting this resolution for cat is not really necessary. Right. No. Like, one of the weirdest things about this game is how kind of superfluous cat is like yeah. she exists as a red herring character yeah uh but doesn't actually resolve in any way no you know and and the, and ends up being like not very interesting the other thing oh. that i thought was really strange was i i don't i don't think this happens when you pass into marie at all but um you actually do a recreation in the in the mini cat scene um yeah which i thought was it was bizarre that you carried that mechanic over you know even as briefly as it was into somebody else that that seemed that seems like a mechanical failing to me yeah like is is that something that are you in her head and you're doing it as her or is that something she can also do because she's like street smart yeah and stuff right. who knows mm-hmm. yeah. don't know yeah and you know so i, I just want to check my gut on what's happening with these zombie sailors and why this is happening these are all people who ate the meat and you know because the time of summoning is at hand and leviathan is extending its influence like they are acting under the will of either leviathan or forces beyond is that yeah that, that's that does that line up yeah okay then yes. i'm pretty sure that's what's going on cool um so bradley wakes you up in his, his cell he gives you a weapon um and he's also getting claimed by this madness yes you know uh he's like hey sarah was headed for the whaling station i'm losing my mind shoot me mm-hmm. uh you know again very you know uh, call of cthulhu tabletop game yeah um and you can do so i think shooting him is a sanity hit yeah uh, yep. to do it uh you know i think you could argue that the opposite is also <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> merciless yeah i surprised myself by by sparing bradley usually i am mr euthanasia uh in these games no. but uh no I, I figured, hey, I'm going to go solve this problem for getting what kind of video game I was playing. Yeah. Need to preserve those teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, otherwise, we're, we're going to need them in the new world. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to need know? currency. 
It's like killing the goose that laid the golden tooth, you know? <laughs> this is Bradley. <laughs> this is Bradley. He's our mint. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, I, I just, I ended up sparing him the, the second time I killed him because I wanted to see what happened. The first mm-hmm. time I ended up sparing him just because I liked him. Yeah. I was surprised by how much I ended up liking that character. Like, he's real hapless, but he's just, he's one of the few characters in this game that's just like a literal victim. Yeah. You know, as the game is constantly kind of saying like, hey, this person you thought was innocent is not. Yeah. Uh, Bradley is. Mm-hmm. You know, he did not deserve any of this shit. Yeah. I, I, I spared him because in my head, when this was being cast as a movie, I made him John C. Riley, and I can't shoot John C. Riley. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good casting so is because of the uh because of magnolia <laughs> maybe pop and magnolia yeah uh. <laughs> so um this starts um pierce's uh you know uh what are we talking about here the uh the combat section which is which is bad it's just the same uh wharf um front that you were walking on you've got to fight mm-hmm. your way or you know avoid your way like the, it implies that you can do some stealth here but i never had a lot of luck with it as people just marched directly at me in lines yeah. like daring me yeah. to red rover them it's dumb as shit like one of the only things you can find here is that the uh the statue of the saint mm. has been like totally desecrated and destroyed no oh, yeah uh, again i i in my mind i really hope that wasn't the cultist doing that i was hoping it just crumbled oh yeah as other you know symbols of other religions are falling to the power <laughs> you know this yeah um you eventually you make your way to fitzroy's uh building you do a, a reconstruction here this is so cool <laughs> yeah this is extremely good yeah um because you know as you're looking at this and the way i interpret it because the reconstruction is just is is just pierce opening up his um intuition you know mm-hmm. and just kind of receiving information and putting it together uh, in this kind of ethereal way um your vision is hijacked like everything turns kind of pink and what you see is like oh the the leviathan is what they pulled back on the scylla that was the miraculous catch which at this point I was like, okay, um, no shit. But it is um, all of the people that we have referred to before as being part of this, plus Sarah Hawkins talking about having eaten the flesh and somehow being changed. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, Sarah talks to you mm-hmm. in it. And that is like what such an awesome interface thing. I think it's like, it's the thing that justifies all the kind of boring reconstructions mm-hmm. you've had until that point because they have to lull you into a sense of safety. With them, like they only happen in times where nothing happens to you, like you're the only active participant. Yeah. Um, and then something happens to you <laughs> in them, and it's breaking the rules because this has been betrayed to you as like detective mode. Yeah. This is you being a detective. Yeah. But no, I mean, not really. Like it's also you are not untouchable, and even your most like private moments, like even the thing that you feel like is sacrosanct, is like not no untouchable yeah um you know the sarah talking to you in the middle of that is was, was one of my favorite moments in the game and it's just like <laughs> again one of the coolest tricks you know things that that, that kind of elevates this 100 percent. but yeah like you learn about like what like how all these people are changed you know fuller was kind of shown like one part of the secret to how to resurrect people and maybe create new life um mm. you know uh charles and sarah hawkins were there for this communion um, and Sarah specifically says like, Hey, my, my, my role here as the Oracle is to draw a truth seeker, this person yeah. who is going to be, um, completely invaluable for the process that must be at hand. The, 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 yeah. the atonement that the Leviathan is going to exact. Yeah. we just really cool. And just the idea, like, I don't know, man, like call me simple, but we, we, uh, you know, dead gods, right? Like go to the, <laughs> the, uh, the old hunters, Bloodborne episodes of Bonfires and Chat. Anything with a dead god washing up on a beach or something like that, I think is just phenomenally good. Dead gods and to then, the front of the line. Yeah. Dead gods to the front of the line. And then 
what happens if we ate it? <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, you know, so that's the dark secret of this. And that's the, you know, when people thought like, oh, they're just doing Innsmouth again. Like, no, there's nothing Innsmouth about it. It's no. a bunch of white people who ate a dead God. It has nothing to do with miscegenation or, yeah. you know, mixing races or anything. I just, there I, are no other races. I love a profane communion. <laughs> like it's yeah, so good. Absolutely. You know, and just like really, really good. And then later we're going to find out that the Leviathan did it on purpose mm -hmm. and stuff like all of this is like the wheels of destiny stuff. And it, it's extremely good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, did you guys save cat? Uh, I did. Uh, I I did the first time I played. Uh, and then the second time um, I kind of forgot <laughs> to go up to Fitzroy's building because you can actually progress through this without doing that reconstruction oh yeah and i found and i found this character who was also like oh, a first aid kit on the side his name was mitchell and i was like mitchell who, who is that it's the bartender from the beginning of the game oh, oh dang wow. oh you're not getting yeah. my iodine yeah, yeah uh, exactly. and, and, <laughs> was, I, you know, iodine, and i forgot bitch. and i forgot that cat was there so i gave him I, I gave this to him because i saw like a whole congregation of zombies over towards the bar area i was like that can't be the forward path mm -hmm. so yeah, you you get a key, you enter in a slightly different spot um, to the, get to the entrance of the whaling station, um, <laughs> and it's an achievo because I, I don't know why, but I'm sure yeah. they both are because yeah. because you know someday we'll do the dispatch episode about achievements and we can mm -hmm. talk about how weird it is that you just make a choice, you have to make one or two of them, and both of them are an achievement. Yeah, <laughs> I really did something, you know, yeah. the, the abuse of that word. Mm. Um, the uh, so either way though, you end up in the same place. Yeah. Um, uh, to get to the whaling station with chapter 13 yeah you do uh you do have to do just a very protracted stealth section to get there uh yeah i made that one bullet point on the notes but um you know there, there there's one thing that seems like the front door that you have to like uh lure uh four cultists out for the mutated mm. cultists no no like you just <laughs> nope. have to yeah it's a smaller like you, you got to crawl through this man-sized hole yeah 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 yep. um inside the uh the whaling station and the whale sta whaling station looks great oh yeah like mm -hmm. this is so good and creepy. <laughs> like I, I don't care if it's on loan from the uh, from a Dishonored, Dishonored DLC. Collection. Yeah, yeah. It's still like I mean, it, except it's a Star Spawn. Yep. And you can't look at it without freaking out. Well, I mean, they're kind of they're kind of Star Spawn in the in, in the Dishonored universe too. Yeah, but they don't they don't give you sanity. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Okay, you yeah. you beat I mean, me. You do eat them. <laughs> they can them in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they, they must have now. They just put the meat in crates, the cretins. Hey. Well, it's also just like freestanding meat. Like yep. it's still around. <laughs> yeah. Like of course it doesn't go bad though because it's a fucking well, star spawn. Well, yeah, and of course it regenerates. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I keep saying star spawn. Like people definitely know what that is. That is that is a mythos monster. That <laughs> yeah. is kind of like a miniature Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, when you walk in, you see Sarah with some of these cultists, and there's a kind of a physicsy puzzle where you've got to smash open a gate with a suspended uh, kind of like water tank or mm -hmm. awful tank or whatever it is. Um, pretty de rigueur. You know, yeah. Um, and as you 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 see a vision of Sarah is brought to you. Like we're right in Leviathan Ground Central, so we can't oh. trust anything that we you know can see. The the rotting yeah. carcass of the Leviathan is right there. Yeah, and if you uh, mouse over it, if you put your cursor over it, you start freaking out. Yeah, yep. you can't you can't look at it. It's super good. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's a great effect. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really phenomenal. And just like uh, you know, just I love being in the presence of this dead god that is rotting that has been being harvested for like you know forty years. Yeah. You know, at this point, it's so good. See, also um, season one of Dark of uh, Bonfire Side Chat talking about the living larder. Yeah, yeah, with the <laughs> uh, Titanite demon. Um, the uh, so as you approach this vision of Sarah, uh, the floor collapses, 
and you uh we're entering like the end game early now yeah um you wake up in this like kind of dark twisted version of your office having this vision uh the phone rings and something named uh truth is talking to you um and is talking to you is kind of chastising you for saving people who would otherwise abandon i would abandon you yeah i wonder if this dialogue is different depending on the choices that you make through this like yeah. Um, Jack, since you didn't save, well, no, you, you, you saved the bartender. I wonder if you don't save anybody, um, or if you, you know, shoot Bradley, uh, if it, it like, you know, praises you for, uh, I, being ruthless. I, yeah, I don't think so. I think, mm. I think it's the same regardless, but, yeah. um, that I, I was interested in how, uh, it starts out very cold, methodical, and then the truth voices that you get later, which we'll get to in <laughs> chapter 14, just become more and more, like, weirdly enthusiastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who named oh. you truth, buddy? Was it that name you yeah. gave yourself? Okay. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, it's, it, the thing is, like, it's, it's truth doesn't exist in a vacuum, because right. we, we're going to run up against truth and reality, like, which is the <laughs> counterpart, and they're both parts of your psyche kind of talking to you. Yes. And the way that truth has been treated in this, you know, when the Leviathan is referred to truth or seeing truth, again, really underlining those themes, like, truth is not good. It mm. sounds good. We operate in a world where truth is just good. Right. You know, but truth is not necessarily inherently good. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Um, so that vision ends. Uh, we wake up in Fitzroy's office. We get to see how the Leviathan was kind of like crates of its meat were, were sent around, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, distributed. You, you see the crates, you see the diagram with all the different cuts of meat. This is a New York strip yeah. of the Leviathan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it gets some tri tip. Yeah. Yeah. The um, ribeyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Extra suckers yeah. for me. Yeah. Yes. Rib 1000 eyes. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, and we have another hallucination here. Uh, Fuller has us in a cell um, and he's asking us whether we want treatment or not. And then whether we want then uh, whether we want to eat the meat or not. Yeah. Um, and you say, like, I don't want to eat the meat, but you do it anyway. Yeah. Um, I think that might be dependent on your sanity, maybe. Ooh, like, I think, I think yeah. actually you're right, actually, now that yeah. I, I think about it. I think if you're really, really sane, you cannot eat the meat. Yeah, like uh, I, I like sanity as a proxy or as a stand-in for how much control the, the, the Leviathan has over you. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for me, you know, Pierce was just mm, yummy, yummy. Give it to me. <laughs> it um, looks so gross. <laughs> hungry, hungry That's, private eye. Just raw octopus, like... Mm. Yum. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, and you're with you're with Fuller and he's talking about like, hey, I'm going to make medicine out of you. Like yeah. you, you are the <laughs> you are the next step on my, you know, on, on the search for my magical elixir. Um, and there's another choice that you can make here, whether you want to pick up a gun and shoot him or not. Um, I pick up the gun and shoot him and this pleases the Leviathan. So, yeah, well, Fuller's got to go. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Fuller's no good. He's, he's <laughs> probably the most unrepentant villain that we've seen, yes. you know, in terms of how they've been presented to us. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so switch to, after you do so, uh, you switch to another vision. Um, and there are these uh, these valve handles. Like we're in real life now. We're trying to find these valve handles to throw this furnace switch. And then we go back to real life and the whaling station explodes. So yeah. we're hallucinating. So it's like when you dream you're peeing. Like I think it's <laughs> that, that, that thing of my friend who had the dream where he had to pee and then in the dream, somebody else he knew told him it was okay. And he woke yep. up peeing on his pillow. <laughs> like it's like, yep. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew somebody who uh, had a dream that like, Oh, I'm peeing. Uh, but he was at a urinal in his dream, but in a uh, real life, he was standing at his kitchen, uh, his kitchen, uh, um, <laughs> not sink, the, the garbage can. 
Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Lovely. That's worse, but not as bad as it could be. Yes. Um, um, if I want to, if I could point out something about the puzzles here, I, I don't want to digress too much. Um, fine. The, the, the platforms and the furnace and everything, it, I don't know why, but it screamed real American McGee's Alice to me. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Not, not that that's a great thing, but you, I mean, you are kind of in a twisted nonsense nightmare space. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was the kind of geometry harkened back to. Oh, yeah. I liked this once upon a time. Oh yeah, I, I think a lot of us did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's 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 neat. I, I like the idea of like, okay, I'm I'm accomplishing this hallucination thing, but actually, no, in real life, my body that I've been piloting has actually just completely blown this place to to, to smithereens. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Um, of course, you're surrounded by some mutants, and Fitzroy is here. Um, and Fitzroy is like, "Hey, dipshit, do you think that you're actually in control of this?" Yeah. Yep. And again, he's still got that kind of genial, like you know, Brian Do- Doyle Murray mm. voice kind of thing, even if he's yelling at you. Yeah. It's big, still you know big Dennehy energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I like. Um, you shoot uh, that you try to escape, but you do. You fall in the water. And Leviathan says, uh, you know, you're going to fulfill your destiny. Awaken him. Like, this is what you're going to do. <laughs> and we wake up on this kind of amazing set piece for the ending. Um, <laughs> this long stairway where there are candles, like, melted along the stairs. It's, like, ritual site. God. Uh, so uh, what, Very I, good. what I want uh-huh. is, like, a prequel to Viscera cleanup detail where you are the person who sets up and lights all those candles. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that is always, like, that is a thing in cult media. Uh, yeah. Just here's a big room that is full of a bunch of candles that are all painstakingly lit. I don't know about you. It takes me five, five tries to light a candle when I, when I, when I decide to light one. Um, I don't know. Just, it always seems so impractical to me to achieve a pretty cool effect. Got to yeah. go Christmas lights in the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just those little can, those little fake candles. You just press the button on the bottom. Oh yeah. There's tap lights. <laughs> tap like lights. tap lights all the way up. <laughs> you just do them on your foot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they, like, um, they, they uh, stick right to the confession. I I own some of those, and they have ones you can get with the remote control. Oh, oh! <laughs> so you don't have to tap them. They remove no. the tap from the tap light. Huh. Wow, those are convenient though. Put those under your sink. Oh yeah, tap lights are great. I'm not. I, you know, I don't want you guys to think I'm like coming out real strong against cap tap lights. <laughs> like, I like tap lights. <laughs> tap lights are great. Yeah. You know? Please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> the first the first commercial we've done in five years. Yeah, yeah this, this, abject, this, this episode of Abject Suffering that's mostly about uh, my sperms being trapped in the Phantom Zone now is brought to you by Tap Lights. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, your sperms need to find their way in the dark. Tap on, tap off. <laughs> um, so. No. Um, so you're stumbling up and you, uh, as you're going through, you're being goaded by truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is, is trying to goad you into this. Um, you find a uh, painting of Pierce that's surrounded by tentacles. Again, it's very obvious you're the truth seeker. Uh, and you're getting these kind of hallucination. You don't know what's real and what's fake at this point mm-hmm. because we have Colden who walks up behind you. Uh, and talk, and she talks to you a little bit more about this fate. Now, everything was predestined by the Oracle. The Oracle is Sarah. Yes. Um, and you have a brief psychosis break here. You know, because, hey, you're supposed to be dead. Also, wait, Sarah is implicated in this. That's too much. Uh, Mm -hmm. You wake up and you are on the road to Alabaster Point. This just amazing outcropping cliff uh, where you've got a bunch of cultists staying in a circle, getting ready to guess what? Summon Cthulhu, the hymn that was mentioned before, the hymn that destiny 
has put you in place to uh, to complete the ritual to summon. And the graphics in this game are not great, but I love the skybox here. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I love the uh, the lightning briefly uh, lighting up like very subtle tentacles, like moving yes. through the clouds. The one huge tentacle kind of undulating <sighs> under the yeah. lightning. Oh, it's great. It's good. It's a really good moment. Yeah. Um. So uh, Fuller, you know, appears and talks to you as well. Another person who's dead, mm-hmm. you know, talks to you about, yeah, hey, I'm trying to make eternal life. Like, you know, this is not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sarah mocks you again, playing into that earlier point. Like we think that Sarah is a damsel, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of playing our expectations. She's like, oh, you always come to a woman who's in distress. Yeah. You know, so easy um, to control. So, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's super easy to, to manipulate somebody who's in that situation, um, which again, talking to the player, there's a little bit of Bioshock DNA in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Charles is uh, talking about how he's jealous because Sarah's paintings were of you and not him. Right. You know, like, right. you know, kind of portraying himself as a, as a loving husband. All these dead people, this parade of people who have, <laughs> who have been killed are walking up to you kind of telling you your insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, among all these dead people, truth appears. And it is this shirtless Pierce who looks completely wild. Um, mm-hmm. And then reality appears right next to him, uh, fully clothed and put together sane Pierce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's how you can tell he's sane is he's wearing a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no shirt, no shoes, no sanity. Like, <laughs> um so uh you know these are the two voices in your head basically it never explains this but this is what's happening yeah your your, your, uh, your personality is fractured yeah truth is uh in is the pursuit of truth in this melu which is horrible right Mm -hmm. is is the insanity is is the leviathan reality is actually your sanity yeah talking about reality just tells you this like i'm yeah. the last of your sanity i'm the thing that pulled you from the trenches i'm the reason you survived world war one you got to listen to me yeah um and whether you can listen to reality is what uh you know is determined by your sanity level when you get to the actual final choice mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so, so you walk up to the the final point here the cultists are all surrounding sarah uh, she has painted the spiral on the ground i love and this. drake uh drake is there and he's held hostage mm-hmm. if he's alive uh, if he's still alive right yeah right yeah um so and you have a part to play yes you are the truth seeker you have been brought here because you can perceive parts of cthulhu's mind uh that everybody else cannot so you're kind of an anchor you're a place to bring him in mm-hmm. and it's presented as a choice as a dialogue choice um you know nobody is holding a gun to you um you know sarah's just there asking you to do this um and you have the choice to uh perform the ritual let them perform the ritual um, or say this is over. And there's another one there too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you, where you can, uh, so there's four endings to the game. Yes. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, let's talk about them uh, in order. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the intuitive one, the video game one, and this is the one <laughs> I did the first time is yeah. performing the counter ritual. Um, there's more than uh, sanity effects for this too. You have to have Drake alive and there's something else earlier that I think you had to like read something. Yeah. Uh, there's a book that you had to have read. Yeah. Um, I think you also have to have like not ignored the quest to get the, uh, the key to really, really. Yeah. Because he needs that in order to, uh, help with the ritual. Yeah. I, th- I think you could go, go away without getting that from oh. the, uh, from the bust. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, Pierce, he shoots Fitzroy and then kneels in the middle of the circle saying, Hey Drake, you got me. And Drake says, Hey, I got you. Uh, Drake holds out the amulet in chance. And then lights um, flash and Pierce is there alone on the cropping uh, looking up and his eyes black over. Yeah. 
the implication being that this kind of takes this presence or whatever and puts it inside you. Yes. As kind of a vessel or container for it. Mm-hmm. Um, after the credits, you're in an asylum. Um, Dr. Fuller is still there. You mm-hmm. never actually killed him. Nope. Or he regenerated because we we find out. That's why uh, Fitzroy's ancestor was missing the leg. Yeah. And he grew his leg back because that's the miraculous catch for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Fuller is upping your dosage. And we zoom in on the sleeping pills. You're going to be – you have this god inside you and you are in the hands of the worst person in the world mm-hmm. to experiment on you and continue doing all this eldritch bullshit yeah. uh, that he's doing. And like, yes, you didn't end the world by summoning Cthulhu, but it feels like you forestalled the inevitable <laughs> uh, yeah. and the, you know, at the very least have made something very bad – another very bad thing happen. Yes. You gave up everything of yourself. If there's anything of you still in there, you have suffered a fate worse than death. And in the best case scenario, you have probably – uh, put the apocalypse off by 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. So not great, but very in line. Like I was, I was satisfied with that ending as like a good, you know, kind of ironic. Nobody gets away from the scot free kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's very like just forestalling the inevitable is very tabletop. Mm-hmm. Call it Cthulhu. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this is the one that I got the first time. Jack, what'd you get? Uh, the first time I I was going I was going straight up insanity build if you will Ooh. and I I did the Call of Cthulhu Ooh, for the yeah. first time I played it because <laughs> I I wanted to see what the visual representation was going to be um you know in full motion I didn't expect him to be that huge oh no, it, it was, was good that, it's great he wasn't it was as chunky for... as I wanted him to be no he's he's been working no out. <laughs> he's not a fat boy no. <laughs> it's 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 fit, it's fit Mac not fat Mac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, um, it's uh, th- this is great though. Uh, so you you drop the gun, you give up. Uh, Sarah uses a dagger to spill some of your blood on the circle. Cthulhu pops out. You only get to see him for a second uh, in a flash of lightning, and then uh, in something like a detail that is forgotten from the story, mm. um, because in the the story called Cthulhu, the cultist, the thing they talk about if they unleash uh, him is that uh, he's going to teach us you know new ways to kill and new ways to like frolic, new ways to be violent and stuff. Mm-hmm. And him coming out sends makes everyone instantly insane. Yeah, uh, no, everyone starts turning so at each great. other. It's really good. <laughs> everyone starts murdering each other. Yeah. Um, and Sarah Hawkins gets killed in this fracas as well. Mm-hmm. We get close up. She's dead. Her eyes have been gouged out by another cultist because Ma- making her a true Oracle. Yep, exactly. Uh, wow. you know, fulfilling that. Uh, and then nothing, then we don't get to know what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, nothing good. because this is happening yeah. around the world. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Cthulhu rising. He doesn't go around and stomp on every individual person. No, it's the yeah. complete undoing of all sanity in the world. Yeah, like you think he's going to be a Godzilla or something, but it's mm-hmm. much more interesting than that. Like yeah. it's it's a, a mental problem, not a rampage yeah. problem. No. Um, the uh, so there is a ending, and I think I can't remember the exact things for this. So if you're very, if you're very insane, <laughs> uh, and I think it's if you don't have Pierce there, if you're very insane, you can sacrifice yourself. Oh, if you don't have Drake there. Yeah, if you don't have Drake there, rather. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is uh, you know you shoot yourself in the head. Here. Um, the, uh, it cuts to your office. They're scraping your, your name off the, the window, mm-hmm. window plate, uh, there. And then it zooms on Sarah and she's drawing a painting of your suicide yeah. uh, after the fact. So this, well, no, it, it, it zooms in on the painting that was in your, that was in oh, your office you're right. and into yeah, the painting changed. of your suicide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. So yeah, it's changed at this point. Um, so, you know, she, uh, either knew that was going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, kind of threads of destiny. Um, I like the idea of doing that, you know, sacrifice feel for the greater good. Mm-hmm. 
is all all well and good. I still think that the the, the first two we talked about are probably the most fun to watch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The uh, the good ending of the game, which you have to maintain your sanity throughout, is to realize uh, you can walk. Like you know, to <laughs> and realize will stop you. <laughs> well, I, I think they I think they can't. I think it's like a precept of their right their religion. Right. She, like she, the, the she even says that work if you're forced. She yeah. even says that. Like he says, "Hey, you know what? I'm not really into this." And she says, "Well, we can't make you." And then yep, and then yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just having the sanity, like playing the game, the long game, well enough to know, like, hey, I've actually been played. This whole thing was fake. Mm-hmm. You know, she was never actually dead. She was never actually burned. The house wasn't burned down. I've been told so many lies. Like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You know, I can just walk. And if you walk, it ends the ritual. Yeah. And, you know, the cult is still around. They're still probably doing shitty things, mm-hmm. but they're not summoning Cthulhu. Yeah. At the very um, least, it can be contained to this island. You know, they can they can be happy yeah. with each other. Just, just don't go to that island. Yeah, they're just going to perform it's, it's, a rite with another pile of cultists trying to make another truth seeker. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I mean, by that point, you put in a really negative trip advisor mm, yeah. for you and, and cut people away. So. Reduces yeah. the number of doom derricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. You know, there, there, there's still some tragedy to this though, um, because yeah. Sarah. Um, she steps up to the ledge, understanding that all hope is lost. You know, her role in the story is really tied to yours. If you're not there, she, uh, she apologizes to her son. She was under the belief that this ritual would let her get her son back. Um, you know, apologize to Simon Then she jumps off the cliff, um, yeah. and you know, dies. And we get a close up on the little toy soldier that has kind of represented Simon in the story so far. And we get a cut to Pierce in his office. You know, he's all bummed out and he's looking at a painting the painting in his office has changed to show Sarah's body twisted and smashed on the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that is uh call of Cthulhu. Yeah. The official video game. <laughs> Such a dorky title. And this is the end of the call of Cthulhu episode of watch out for fireballs. The official episode. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, any wrap up thoughts? I'll let you go first. Jeff. What? Oh, sorry. Um, you know, I, I think this this sort of general build for a game really serves uh, Lovecraftian uh, themes well. I think there are definitely a lot of ways that this could have been more successful, but I do I do think that you know despite not necessarily adapting things as well as you know Dark Corners of the Earth did or or having like really good action to speak of, um, you know I do think this is it's sort of like not barely interactive but you know interactive minus um version of gameplay just it it, it makes the themes come out really well i think yeah mm-hmm. it's a you know so we've been doing talking about lovecraft adaptations for years on this mm-hmm. yeah and it's interesting the thing about this game and, and it took me a little while because i had like i said i had to adjust those expectations that is something that coming in the second time and really talking through it maybe appreciate a little bit more is how restrained this is yeah. As an adaptation, like I expect things that are Lovecrafty to go further with it, not just like in terms of like how Dark Corners of the Earth has shooting section, but even mm-hmm. the horror elements of Dark Corners of the Earth are elevated yeah. over this. You know, it is more like it is seconds before you see somebody like a pair of lungs being operated outside of a body. <laughs> not seconds. It's like minutes into the game. Though, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, it's yeah. in the prologue. It's the pro- I think it's yes. before the title sequence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so I expect things to be kind of a little extreme. This is really restrained in a way that, like, I appreciate, but does 
you know, when I went into it and I was expecting something that played more like a video game, like something that had the kind of like a little bit more pacing and a little bit more kind of razzle dazzle, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it was mildly disappointing again, still like basically a B, but a little bit disappointing. And then like on revisit, I think if you know what you're getting into with it, uh, you are going to have a better time. Like if you can, you know, kind of cue yourself up to appreciate the subtle, uh, kind of things it's doing mm-hmm. as opposed to the loud things that another game that might take a similar tact would do. Yeah. You know, and then I also can't separate myself from just the joy of like, Oh, Hey, there's a dimensional shambler. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> like I, you know, just, just seeing this, like, I mean, I just, I let myself off the hook for liking the things that I like mm-hmm. and this stuff I'm just in the pocket for, you know, dead God washed up on the beach and people eat it. Yep. That's me. Like, and I'm not going to fight it. I don't yeah. care. You know, it just, I, it works for me. And that's the end of the story. Yeah. So, you know, being pandered to doesn't necessarily mean that you're being insulted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And right. there's a subtle difference, right? Like sometimes you are, mm-hmm. you know, but this did not feel like I was being insulted at all. Yeah. Yeah. No. It felt like they were giving you what you wanted and you know, they, they are doing deep pulls in this and it feels very true um, to the property. Like Jack said, like you said, Gary, I was disappointed yeah. when I, when I, when I played this um, and mm-hmm. it has really bloomed in the discussion for me. Um, I think for me, I, you know, my, my, my expectations were not aligned exactly correctly. I was expecting a little bit more, but in the way of investigation, Mm-hmm. A little bit more in the way mm-hmm. of uh, putting things together, uh, primarily because I went into it knowing that it was going to be, um, you know, tied to the, the the tabletop game. And that's kind of what I associate that with. Um, but taking it for the product that it is, you know, it kind of fits into this classic um, niche or valley or uh, whatever you want to say for survival horror games. Where like the majority of the of the genre of like any horror game, like rests in like the 6.5 out of 10 kind of territory. <laughs> Mm-hmm. A, a little yeah, bit sure. the, the, this this feels like about where it, you know where it lives there but you know speaking for myself as somebody who really enjoys these kind of games like i don't know i'll play the shit out of a 6.5 out of 10 survival horror game because there's weird good ideas in there even if it doesn't scare me it will have very good horror concepts to it mm-hmm. um and here you have this thing that is very faithful that pulls in things like the dimensional shambler uh that has a good um you know kind of articulation on, okay, we're going to make uh, summoning Cthulhu interesting by having this again, profane um, communion happening that I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I totally see this and it is just about expectations to reiterate what Gary said. Yeah. So like this, this just kind of fits into a tradition that's been around forever where like not a great game, but it has incredibly good ideas to it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's about expectations, but the other thing, I mean, not to let the game totally off the hook too, is that mm-hmm. like, this is not the best way that the story can be told. Like there, there, there are serious pacing problems Yes. in this. And we, we talked about those when it gets to those kind of gameplay portions where it kind of backseats mm-hmm. the, the strengths in favor of trying to be more of a game. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes yeah. that was cool, but even when it was cool, like even those parts where there's multiple ways to get into the warehouse or whatever, aren't like mind blowingly cool. It's not no. wonderful. It's just kind of neat, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then when it's not good, it's, it's add actively subtractive <laughs> right you know so it's like the that 6.5 uh, nature of it it's a matter of expectations but even if you have your expectations set at a 6.5 so you'll maybe enjoy it a little bit more mm-hmm. um it's still not it has a lot lot of room for improvement yeah um, um something mm-hmm. i was hoping for especially you know early on gary you referred to the structure of this game as kind of a funnel um those variabilities the, you know the different ways that you have you know in you know, intrinsic branches to particular chapters, all of that primarily deals with incredibly mundane things like 
incredibly video game scenarios. How do I get into uh, a building that people don't want me to get into? And I have all Mm -hmm. those options and stuff there. I was hoping Mm -hmm. that that would, that that variability would play into the more occult kind of angles of this stuff. Totally. Where having done Mm -hmm. research on what a dimensional shambler is would give you different ways to take care of it. When things get really interesting conceptually, that is also when, uh, the possibility space gets way more narrow, and that is a big disappointment for me because wide possibility spaces and incredibly cool occult stuff, two things I greatly enjoy. Boy, it'd be great if those two hooked up. They make cute yeah. kids, you know? Well, it's, it's a real modesty of product thing, too. Yeah, like it, just, yeah. it doesn't have the budget or the scope for that, and it <clears throat> occupies a weird space. Like, I kind of wish that, like, what if this didn't have an art style that was failing at trying to look like a real, <laughs> real art style and went for something stylized and more easy? Yeah. Like, do this as a 2D adventure game. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, it would be fine. That'd be interesting and good, and you could make it for way less, charge less for it, do more things, have more branching paths and stuff. Like, it's a game with, like, some <laughs> weird disagreements at kind of every level. Yeah. But nonetheless has enough interesting stuff in it that I think it is, you know, but it's weird though. Cause I, I want to say like, yeah, it's definitely worth playing. I think if people are listening to the podcast this far, this is another one of our service episodes and we just gave yeah. you the best part of this game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not to, not to try to take money out of the developer's hands or anything like that, but like, I don't know. I can't imagine what you're going to get from playing it that you didn't just get from listening to us really. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, true. yeah. So yeah. Uh, thank you, Jack. We, uh, we really appreciate you supporting us and supporting the uh, network and sponsoring this episode and for being a delightful guest. Yeah, uh, always always a pleasure to give back to Duckfeed. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Where uh, can people find you online? <laughs> uh, if, if you want that. Yes, if you want <laughs> I that. Mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a Twitter account. It is uh, at chicken underscore riggies. That's R-I-G-G-I-E-S. I don't tweet a lot. I'm a consummate reply guy. I'm not a great online presence. So um, <laughs> that is other than that, other than that, you know, if you're if you're a Duckfeed patron, you can find me in the Slack being being me or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 me. Yeah. Who will reply the reply guy? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you again. So we decided to let Jack go. Um, with thanks and gratitude, just so he didn't have to hear us shill for our stuff, because we are now in the admin portion. Yeah, welcome to the admin zone, baby. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so if you have things to say about the 2018 Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. or any of the other games we're doing in October, which yeah. include Silent Hill Shattered, Shattered Memories, the Resident Evil 7 DLCs, or Alan Wake, hit us up at duckfeed.tv contact by October 15th. Please do. Uh, if you have things to say about our games for November, you can do the same. But um, on by November the 15th, not on. That'd be weird if we limited that. Um, <laughs> One window only. <laughs> like if we had a call-in show. Yes. Except it was us reading emails as they came in. Um, that'd be weird. That'd be a weird thing oh, to do. Be hard to do. Uh, those <laughs> games are uh, The Last Express, Simpsons Hit and Run, and Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yes. And Deus Ex Human Revolution is our premium episode for that month. So if you have, um, if you want to hear the whole episode, that is a benefit for patrons, although everybody will get the generalities and those will be generous. That is a mechanically interesting game. Yeah. And uh, this month is Alan Wake. Yes. Which is less of a mechanically interesting game, but there are a lot of generalities yes. uh, to it just in terms of uh, what it's doing. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, we appreciate you if you're listening to us, patron or not. If you would like to hear those and you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. $5 a month gives you uh, those full episodes, but it also gives you episodes of Bonfire Side Chat Rekindled, um, Unfilmable, bonus episodes of Abduct Suffering. Um, we put out something every day yeah. uh, on the regular feed, and if you are a patron, you get more than every day. Yes. So it is, uh, you know, it is, it is more content than the number of people who are involved should be able to put out, but somehow we do. Yeah. It is almost 400 episodes of a podcast a year. Yes. You know, so it, it is a lot of stuff. And even if you're not a patron, you get 365 mm-hmm. episodes of a podcast a year. So yes. it is uh, a lot of stuff and you can get even more if you'd like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing you can do for us is ratings and reviews, uh, telling a friend, things like that. That is very appreciated. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just about everything. Um, go back to the back catalog. There's some good stuff there. Uh, if you are a recent listener, um, yeah. previous horror game episodes are always fun. Um, just go back, look at October. Sometimes, uh, in the spring we do, uh, we, we do Halloween in May sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always like all of those. Um, it really is the most wonderful time of the year. Um, it is. cause I love talking about horror games. Yeah. And even though our, uh, sound quality was not great, go back and listen to that dark corners of the earth episode. Yeah. Very early on, uh, but a, a cool, good game that has interesting things. Episode number three. Back when we used to, we when we used to do ninety-minute episodes or less, no matter, <laughs> what, no matter whether the game supported it or not. Crazy. So, yep, uh, we were dumb. Um, <laughs> and so, until next time, uh, what should they watch out for, Cole? Um, they should watch out for truths that their minds cannot correlate the contents of, or whatever you say at the end of Unfilmable. Umbasa. Umbasa. Mm-hmm.